remember when we all got drunk I ended up with two broke thumbs Oh my god, I felt so dumb Lucky me I wrote a song that no one knows I played a show and no one showed Oh my god, I felt so Made a hundred good stories. A hundred good stories make me interesting at parties. A hundred bad days made a hundred good stories. A hundred good stories make me interesting at parties. So I don't know about the rest of you, but uh, that almost captures my entire life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like a hundred at a, hundred at there, a time. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's been some seriously bad stories in my life. But you know what? Times like this on a podcast, episode 27 of Taylor Trash Fly Fishing, we're recording here in lovely Oak Hill, Florida, the Taylor Park. I've got plenty of plenty of stories that are probably bad days and i guess uh you know who knows yeah maybe they make me interesting at parties or i like to think so well i always feel interesting at parties <laughs> interesting on whether other people think i am yeah <laughs> you know it's really all that matters i don't care but, but <laughs> yeah. it, 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 that's what i was gonna say at the end of the day i really don't care either and and you know today was kind of a uh Official, unofficial party. Today was Traeger Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we celebrated it well. I think we did pretty damn well. We, we, we uh, definitely ate like kings. I don't know about you guys, oh, but I'm starting yeah. to sweat oh, already. I mean, I've sweat. got a little meat sweat going on. Yeah, we've got the meat sweats going on. And, you know, I, I saw that uh, just down the road from here, probably about 15 minutes down uh, US 1 to I 95, off on 46, make a right. Beyond that, I'm not going to get into any great detail, but uh, the one, the only, the indomitable Flip Pallet was also participating in Traeger Day. He yes. was. Oh. He was uh, smoking some chicken. Mm-hmm. He smoked some sausage. And um, last I checked in, he was uh, saying, damn, I bet at this Traeger grill all day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're doing it upright. We're having a good time. We're well fed. In uh, episode 27, I personally have a lot of notes. Me too. Um, I don't know, know. I don't know how I don't, that came Yeah, together, I don't either. Like, I don't either. Because it's not really been a long time since no, we've uh, like done a-, a podcast. But uh, I've got a bunch of notes. Um, between the last one and this one, I've uh, traveled up to Tennessee. Uh, done a little work here locally. And I don't know, maybe... Uh, just had some time to reflect and think about some stuff. We've got uh, updates about the dinghy derby and poker run we can talk about. Mm-hmm. We've got all manners of things, whether it's other podcasts we're going to talk about, April Vokey, and um, just, uh, <laughs> you know, in general, I think we got some good stuff to cover. But uh, before we really get into 
our business, business here in the Taylor Park, we're going to bring on a guest that uh, many of you may have already seen that uh, the Fly Fish Journal has published an article by Will Rice, and it's about a disappearance of a particular angler down in Mexico almost 10 years ago. I think 10 yeah, years ago. Yeah, 2009. The, 2009, so 10 years ago. Yeah, it was almost to the day. It was though. like, it was like yeah, last it was like, week. Yeah. yeah. So I've known Will for a while, um, probably not quite 10 years, but uh, Will kind of um, – I don't know how he always is dialed in, but he, he, he knows when there's stuff going on in the fly fishing world and, and especially when the, it's some, you know, kind of odd occurrence where somebody disappears. Um, don't know if we'll fact check my memory with Will, but um, if I remember correctly, Will was living in Colorado and... Somehow, some way, a buddy of mine, Scott Wells, put us in contact with each other because Will had written an article um, probably close to 10 years ago um, about the disappearance of Stanley Bain uh, mm-hmm. down in the Bahamas. And when we have Will join us here momentarily, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, that's kind of where Will and I kind of connected and... So he wrote, he wrote a piece back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did subsequently too, right? Did you yeah, do a follow up? So, yeah. Well, I, I was hoping to get a little bit of a follow up. Uh, what happened was, I had made a trip over to the Bahamas and had a, a really fortunate opportunity to fish with Simon Bain. Um, mm-hmm. I had I had discovered Simon. Uh, believe it or not, I was on a business trip. Bonefish. And Simon. Bonefish Simon. And I was on an airplane and sitting in business class. And this is back when airlines treated you a whole lot better. And they had an onboard magazine for the airline. Mm-hmm. And there was an article about Simon Bain, Bonefish Simon. And it was pretty much, you know, like any kind of magazine that you see when you're in an airplane is probably pushing a certain marketing agenda. Mm-hmm. And this had to do more with come to the Bahamas. Simon had been designated for the first time. The Bahamas kind of like had designated him like the top guide mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the Bahamas. And it was for, you know, getting people to come visit the Bahamas and come over and bonefish. In any event, Simon is the brother of Stanley Bain. Stanley Bain was the subject of Will's article where Stanley disappeared. And we're going to hear more about that from Will. So Scott put us together after I'd written the article. And Will, to his credit, opened a lot of doors for me to get my article that I had written from fishing with with Simon in front of the right people. It was one of the first articles. may have been the first. It might have been the second. Can't remember. Um, that I had published. Regardless, um, Will opened that door for me, and prior to me going down there, I I knew of his uh, article about Stanley. So knowing that I was going to be fishing with the brother, I did bring it up, but 
it was squashed, squashed <laughs> really quick. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of discussion. It was made very clear that uh, he wasn't going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll tell you what. Um, Will has a way with digging in and getting facts and with the most current article, which we're going to get into detail with Will here momentarily, 10 years later, Will covered this story when it happened. And a lot of the people involved in this story basically told him, eat a dick. I'm Mm -hmm. not talking to Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, there's been this cloud of suspicion hanging over the story. And, And I do remember when this story broke because... I was considering fishing in Mexico at the time, huh. and it was like, hey, this guy just like up and fucking disappeared. How am I going to sell this idea to my wife? You know, and, To be honest <laughs> with you, in the setup of reading his story, mm-hmm. that adventure actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of DIY as far it as was. fishing's yeah. concerned, but they'll, you know, you go and eat breakfast someplace, they'll make you a lunch. Right. Because they know what you're there for. You're going to wander yeah. off in a rental car and go do your thing. So it's kind of risky yeah. set up for you. Well, you're, staying, you're, staying, yeah. you're staying somewhere, and they understand you're an angler, and they understand that's the intent behind your, your being there. Yeah. So they're providing lodging and so room and board. Yeah, board yeah. being right. like they're going to feed you. They're going to make sure you have drinks in the evening and all that. So Will has gone from contemporary to this occurring to 10 years later reaching back out to people mm-hmm. and re-interviewing some of them who were unwilling to be interviewed originally are now willing to sit down and talk with him he's producing a podcast and okay. that podcast is coming out one episode is out now the podcast is kind of the details behind the story that's in Fly Fish Journal. Mm-hmm. The Fly Fish Journal article is about 4,000 words, and that's huge for this type of publication. Yeah, I saw so, that, too, when I was reading. I was like, man, this is a crazy story, and it keeps going. Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, oh my goodness. so to, the point, to the point that the Fly Fish Journal is a print magazine, right? It's not in the print magazine. It's actually online because it's such an in-depth article. Mm-hmm. So to follow up and to fill backfill all the details, we've got this podcast. And I can tell you something. I've listened to episode one, and the feedback that I gave Will was simply this. I loved it. I'm intrigued. You've piqued my attention. And damn it, man, I really wish that you had followed like the Netflix mm-hmm. model because I would binge listen to the shit out of this because <laughs> right. I want to know yes. the ne- you know. So he's starting beginning to end, I'm assuming. Yes. So like yes. when he heard about it, the first phone call he's, he made or first trip or whatever he did. He and he's juxtaposing from, yeah. that against what he's finding out now. now. Okay. Yes. Good. So it's That's a, cool. Yeah, it's really it's like cool. a rolling storyline where you're going to find story. out more. Yep. So we're going to be listening to Will here very soon, and once we get him on the phone, we're going to bring him in, and we're going to get started, and we're going to talk a little bit about Stanley Bain and what we've known about Stanley Bain and the disappearance of Stanley Bain, and we're going to find out more about Will's current project. So hang tight. I can't wait. 
it's gonna be awesome. Niggas is mad, I get more butt than ashtrays. Fuck a fair one, I get mine the fast way. Ski mask way, nigga ransom notes. Far from handsome, but damn a nigga tote. More guns than roses, foes is shaking in their boots. A visible bully, like the boots disappear. Van Moose, you whack to me. Take them rhymes back to the factory. I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics, the shit is depressing. Pathetic. Please forget it. You're mad cause my style you're admiring. Don't be mad, UPS is hiring. You should have been the cop, fuck hip hop. With that freestyle, you're bound to get shot. Not from Houston, but I rap a lot. All right, so uh, we are back, and we're really excited, like we had told you guys before the break. We have an awesome guest. Will Rice has joined us all the way from Canada, mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking to Will. Will's got a great new project that he's working on. If you're in the know, you've already listened to the first episode of Down the Path. Will, how's it going tonight, buddy? It's going. Uh, it's going fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Having me on, dude. We're so stoked Absolutely, to have man. you on. Absolutely. Um, I was telling the guys here. Uh, we're just sitting around this old oak table here in Oak Hill, Florida. Um, you and I, I, if you know, it's been so damn long, dude. Um, I want to say that uh, Scott Wells is who put you and I together. Is my memory serving me correctly? Yeah, that's correct. I was, I was talking to Scotty and telling him that I was going to be down in your area and I was looking for, uh, for someone to fish with. And uh, he connected me with you. And I think you connect me, connected me with John Turcott and, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, fished nice. down there for a number of years after that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know that, um, you know, I was telling the guys, you actually opened the door for me. Um, I had gone and fished with. Uh, bonefish simon simon bain um who you you make mention of in your drake article the disappearance of stanley bain um simon was actually still over in andros uh, when all that went down but when i fished with San, with uh simon simon was actually in new providence um there in nassau so yeah. um that's kind of the the where our stories intersect. And, uh, you know, I think it was uh, probably about 10 days ago we had done a podcast and we were during a break talking and I believe it came up because we were talking about uh, lobster fishing of all things. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we were talking conch about that, and conch that, fishing yeah. and yeah. how how the Bahamians um, have progressively over the years had to go further and further and further away from where they live because they've not managed the resource properly. And when we were talking about that, I said, Oh my gosh, you know, there's this fucking amazing story that Will Rice wrote about the disappearance of Stanley Bain. And, uh, you know, I just reread that this afternoon and, you know, it's kind of an eerie thing when you when you read your story that you know Simon kind of buzzed the boat that uh, Stanley was on and and just the whole mystery behind that how was it that you originally came to know about that story uh that was probably I want to say back in 2000 and 
2005. Yeah, I think uh, 2005, I was uh, on a trip um, down to South Andros on assignment for the Denver Post to do a, to do a travel piece. And I was, I was, you know, like you do at lodges, uh, at dinner after a day of fishing, I think it was our first day. And, uh, one of the gentlemen who, uh, was there, you know, not, not with me, but, you know, another group said to the, uh, to the lodge manager at the time, he said, you know, Hey, did they, did they ever find out what happened to old Stanley? And, uh, the lodge manager was like, no, you know, they never have. And, um, and I was kind of hooked right out of the gate. So I, I talked to the guy, uh, Jerry afterward, I was like, Hey, you know, what, what, what's happening there? So he kind of filled me in with the, um, the background of the story. And, and that, was, that was 10 years after, after the actual occurrence, right? After the last day they left to go lobster fishing. That was in 1995. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that, yep. That was about, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. Right. 10 years after. And then I basically had the rest of the week. I fished with different guides just about every day. And, you know, I was kind of on it right from the get go. And so I would, you know, ask these local you know, guys that we were with or we were out with, and I'd ask them about it and they would, they would tell me what they thought happened. And, and I was just blown away right out of the gate because, you know, literally every guide we fished with had a completely different theory about what had happened. And so, you know, for me, very intriguing right out of the gate. I was going to say 10 years is a lot of time to come up with some pretty wild tales yeah. and, uh, of a uh, telephone. You know what I mean? Do you have a favorite yeah. theory? Um, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough with these where, where, you know, both of these stories are a little bit similar where, you know, there's just not any real evidence. So it's, it's conjecture. And I, I try not to, um, you know, kind of go too far down there. I like to kind of present, you know, what, what we know and and what people who are really close to the situation tell Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. and then, and, and let it kind of, uh, let it kind of go from there. Sure. Well, you know, I think one of the the things that struck me the most in your article about Stanley is the absolute lack of evidence and the the you juxtapose the lack of any physical evidence of a boat sinking uh, against the um, perfect storm story. You know, to completely yeah, there could have been a weather factor. Uh, around the same time frame, but nowhere near what, you know, the Andrea Gale saw in, in that, and they still found debris. And, I mean, I uh, may a culpa here. I actually watch uh, Delius Catch, and even when a crab boat goes down in the, you know, <laughs> in the middle of the Bering Sea, they always find an oil slick or some debris something. or something. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's kind of that how the, I mean, how does something? How does somebody just disappear? It's it's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in that case too, it's not not one boat. It's three boats. It's you yeah, know, right. Uh, you know, Carl. Carl said that earlier tonight. We were we were uh, we were having dinner here, and Carl was like, "Dude, the the thing that's the most odd is it wasn't one boat that disappeared. It was three. It was a it was a cabin cruiser and a couple of skiffs." And like the fact that there was no life jacket found or, you know, anything is pretty bizarre. So you and I had talked about your story and I was headed over to fish with Simon and I told you, I'm going to try to ask Simon like, Hey, you know, have you ever heard anything more about Stanley? And I did. 
And I learned really quickly that if I wanted to have a good time and have an afternoon of bone fishing with Simon, I needed to shut the fuck up and not ask any more questions because he didn't appreciate the questions and he certainly wasn't in the business of answering any of those questions. So it's kind of odd to me that there's such still tight-lipped way of dealing with this. And I'm probably talking when... I was over there fishing with Simon was probably 2007, 2008, so 13, you know, 12, 13 years after the fact, and it was still a pretty raw nerve. Yeah, and I, you know, I, you know, I want to be super respectful of, of, you know, their family, and, and it's a, t- I mean, it's a really hard topic to talk about. I mean, there's a real, um, you know, personal tragedy that's involved with both of these that you, you know, you really have to be, um, empathetic, um, about. And, you know, most people, when I talk to them, you know, it's, you know, it can be kind of tough and most people don't want to go, you know, be recorded and, and go live like that. So that's something that, you know, takes some time to, to earn people's trust. And, um, you know, I, I absolutely, yeah, that doesn't surprise me one, one bit at all. So for just for listeners that might may not know the story, the the Bain story is disappearance of Stanley Stanley Bain. Bain, You can find yeah, you can find that in the Drake magazine. So if if you're listening to our podcast and you're saying you know where do I find this story, Mm -hmm. if you Google Drake magazine, Will Rice, Stanley Bain you're going to find that the Drake has this full article available for you to read online and you owe it to yourself to read it because yeah. it's a, it's a remarkable yeah. disappearance story. And that leads us to down the path. Will you just started, uh, you actually just published a, a new piece, a uh, rather lengthy piece with the fly fish journal, uh, about similar, but yet quite different case again happened 10 years ago this time in mexico you want to bring us up to speed on your project that you're working on sure yeah that's uh really appreciate that so yeah down the path is a project that um i guess i kind of started working on 10 years ago when i originally wrote about uh the disappearance of ron sheepstra out of ishkalak mexico uh, in April of 2009, and that was uh, an article I wrote for the Drake, and it was uh, kind of a on-deadline situation where I didn't have a lot of time to work on the story because we had a, a de- you know print deadline, um, but we published a short piece on it for the summer 2009 issue, and you know it's like one of these stories that really kind of stuck with me right again right out of the gate. Um, you know, learning about what happened to Ron, I, I quickly, you know, figured out he was one of us, you know, he wasn't just, you know, some guy down in Mexico who randomly went out on a fishing trip and something happened. I mean, he was one of us. He, he loved to fly fish. He loved to travel. Um, he traveled extensively to some pretty exotic places to fish with his friends. And, um, uh, back then he was, he was on a, a, a trip that was basically a combination of, of DIY fishing where they were going to do some days on their own as well as um, fish with, uh, with guides. And uh, it was three of his buddies and, and, and uh, Ron Sheepstra. 
and it was the first day of their trip. They're going to be down there for about 10 days. And, um, on the first day of the trip, um, and we can go kind of go through the sequence if you want. I don't know how much time we have, but yeah, uh, we, we've got you know, nothing, you know, whatever. You, nothing you, you're driving the bus on how long you want to talk with us. What, what really impacted me? And, and I, I told these guys, I remember when this story broke and I remember like the prevailing theory was this guy went out, he had a heart attack and maybe the tide swept him away, never to be seen again. And then I listened to the first episode of down the path and I was absolutely floored. Not only is this the disappearance of a guy that, like you say, is one of us. He's just a guy that loves to fish. He lived in Texas. He went down to Mexico to chase permit, bonefish, tarpon, whatever it was that he was down there to do. But what surprised me was all of his friends that he met there are from Europe. Like, this is like an international like story. I had no idea until until just the other day how far reaching this story is. I think two two of the kind of the party that day were were Germans, I want to yes. say. Yeah. Yeah. And and Ron was Ron was um of Swedish heritage Am I right on that? Uh, no, Dutch. Ne- Dutch. Netherlands. Okay, Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was he was originally from the Netherlands. Yep. So so and so yep. Go ahead. Tell us. Tell us a little bit. Take us down the path. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Ron. Yeah, Ron was uh, was a dual citizen. He uh, he had a Netherlands. He was originally from the Netherlands, but lived with his wife uh, in Lufkin, Texas. And it was his third trip down to Ishkalak. And I don't know, you know, Ishkalak really didn't come onto the scene, I, I don't think in a big way, until probably about 2005 or 2006-ish. Um, so they were kind of down there and, and, you know, they were doing some, some pretty interesting exploratory, um, you know, fishing. And they knew where they were going. They'd fished the area before. And you know, basically how the sequence breaks out is they left in the morning. They had two cars. Um, Ron was in one car, had, had his own rental car because he had driven down from Cancun on his own. His three friends were coming in from Europe. They drove down later the night before. And uh, so they went out to uh, a spot that had, you know, a lot of nice flats, permit flats that were accessible um, by by foot. And uh, they started fishing, you know, pretty normal deal. Four guys, they break up into two, two different groups and um, they fish for a bit. I don't know. I've really not pinned down exactly what time um, Ron, Ron disappeared. Um, but sometime that morning, the story that was relayed to different people is that Ron started acting, uh, you know, behaving a little bit strangely, um, told his fishing partner that he was going to head back. I'm going to go back to the rental car, go back to the hotel, uh, which is about a 30 minute drive from where they were. Um, they parted ways and that was the last time anyone ever saw Ron Sheepstra. Now, Um, let me ask you this question in the, the three guys that, that met him there. How many times are you aware that they've actually fished together and have they fished together in this area before together? Are, are these like 
longtime old fast friends or have they like met like a trip or two ago and they're just crossing paths again? That's a great question. And I was really interested in that, in that, those dynamics and those relationships as well. So Ron was there from, you know, from everyone I've talked to, one of his friends, they were really good friends from, you know, 20, 30 years, um, gone way back. They fished together a lot of different places. And I've seen evidence, you know, photographic evidence of them fishing, um, you know, not just saltwater flats, but um, uh, I believe Iceland, some different spots in Europe, uh, they definitely, all four of them had fished in 2008 together. They stayed at Tierra Maya. So they basically did the same program the year before. Okay. And the year before, before that, Ron and his best friend, they had fished just the two of them. So it kind of, you know, I think Ron and, and his friend discovered the place in 2007. They brought the bigger group back in 2008. And then 2009, um, that was the, the year that he, uh, he disappeared. Now, the one thing that I haven't heard so far in the podcast, what are their individual backgrounds, or is this the right time to ask? Like, Ron was probably, he's from Texas, if I remember correctly, a little bit involved like in the fossil fuels oil industry. But what are, what are these guys, like, how does everybody... How's everybody earning a living? Are, are they all like colleagues from similar backgrounds and professional lives? Uh, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail because I will say, you know, one of the most challenging things about this story, and I, you know, I call it out pretty clearly in, in the project and the work I'm doing is, you know, no one's ever heard from these guys. And, uh, and that's okay, right? I mean, people don't have to participate in, media interviews and that kind of thing. But, you know, one of the toughest parts is that all of the stories um, are pretty much secondhand. And that's been a big challenge for me. And I've, I've tried pretty hard to, um, to talk to these folks and I just haven't been successful. I've talked to people who know them, who have, you know, been down there on those trips and, and interacted with them. Right. Um, and and so it's hard for me. What I'm not, what I don't want to do is I, I'm really careful about, you know, sharing facts, right? So I'm not going to, if I'm not 100% sure on something, I'm not going to kind of pontificate sure. or, oh, or yeah, share, right. share a lot of, yes, yeah, no doubt. Info. So that I'm just going to say, you know, right now is I, I don't, I, I don't have a lot of information there. So quick, quick question on this story versus the, uh, the Bain story. Um, was it any easier, any harder, any different? kind of being on the scene as quick as you were. I mean, you found out about the Bain story 10 years later. Um, This one, you wrote that first article the year it happened or, you know, a few months later. Is it easier in that case? Are there, you know, fresher stories, more people still around, or with the freshness of it, is it harder to get information? Um, I don't know. It's, you know, it, both, both were difficult in different ways. You know, I had people who, you know, absolutely in 2009 would not talk to me now, you know, fast forward nine years later, now 10 years later, um, it's a whole different situation. So now I have people who are very willing to share with me what they thought. Right. Um, and that's still a big goal of what we're doing here with the project. Um, you know, there is a very 
outside chance that someone who knew something back then who didn't want to talk or participate, now it's 10 years later, maybe they feel different about the situation and they're willing to share you know, what they know. And sure. that's, that's definitely a goal of what we're, what we're, uh, what we're, what I'm working on. Sure. Um, but yeah, both, I mean, both, uh, both situations challenging. I, I'd say, you know, the Stanley Bain piece, I mean, it, that was more challenging because like we literally, like we didn't know, I didn't know how many people were even on the boat, um, things like that. So to try to piece all of that together, just to get the bear, you know, the real kind of, okay, here's, you know, and confirmed by multiple sources, here's exactly who was on that boat. Right. Um, you know, that, that took a long time even to get that 10 years later. So from that standpoint, I, I'd say there's probably more challenges with coming out a story, you know, picking it up 10 years after. So, so Will, just to, to stay on that topic for just a moment, you actually had an opportunity, um, you fished with, a guide or at least talk to a guide that was supposed to be on the boat with Stanley, but life happened and it, it probably saved their life. Uh, how did that, how did that come to play out? Yeah, that's, that's probably one of the more interesting developments since the article was first published, I think in 2007. So fast forward to, I want to say 2000. 12 or 2013, I was back down, uh, on, uh, um, uh, South Andros and fishing again for a week. And one of my guides, we had a pretty interesting, we were coming back from the West end and, you know, we were just kind of chilling out, you know, having beers and stuff, uh, and just kind of slow trolling back through the, through the cuts and, I don't know. Somehow it came up. I think I brought it up same way, you know, as you kind of did with Simon, I guess. And, um, he was like, Oh yeah. He's like, I was, I was on the why me this morning. And like, you know, my jaw kind of, uh, you were, and, uh, yeah, his story was basically that he, and there was another guy that were supposed to be, um, out on that lobster trip. And I, I think if I recall it correctly, Stanley got a call. He had a sat phone back then. And the phone call was that one of the people that was on, one of the guys who's on the boat, his, I think it was his sister might've gotten a car accident or something happened. And so Stanley basically said, okay, you guys take one of the skiffs, two of you guys go back. And then once you've got it all figured out, you know, once everything's settled down, bomb down to the south end, down to Grassy, Grassy Key, and meet us down there. And so this guy basically said, yeah, I dropped the, the guy off whose, whose sister had the accident or had the issue. I got back in the skiff. I went down to Grassy Key, which is, I don't know, it's probably like a maybe 50 minute, maybe an hour, um, uh, boat ride south, and those guys never showed up, according to him. Wow, which which is really interesting. Which which you know, if you look at the timeline of that story, I mean, I think it was um, what was it? I got to look at my notes here. I thought I wrote it down somewhere. I think it was August August fifth is when when they left, and then basically August nineteenth is when the when the red flags go up that they're, you know, they're not back yet. Um, and if this guy is right and if his story is correct, I mean, it basically means that whatever happened probably happened within the first six hours of that trip. Right. Which on is, the fifth. Kind of, 
Yeah, very different yeah. than people thinking that, you know, it happened, you know, much closer to Cuba, much, you know, much later in that in that timeline. Right. So, um, but, you know, yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty interesting conversation to have out on the out on the water. Sure. Um, quick question, just while we're kind of with this story, uh, with the Bain story, is it something that you still visit? from time to time is it something that you're still in contact with people on is it is it a ongoing or i mean do you feel like you found the end of the rainbow with it how does that work no i mean it's i you know no it's it's not solved it's it's mm-hmm. exactly where it was back in 95 for the most part um i have had some different people reach out to me randomly um i had someone who worked at um worked at cargo creek um, reach out and share a fantastic amount of information about, you know, what was going on down there and what it was like mm-hmm. in 95. Um, I wouldn't say it really moved the story any, any more forward. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's kind of always what you're trying to do, right? You know, can sure. you move the story forward? Can you bring new information? So for me, it was fantastically interesting to hear about all those details. Maybe, but maybe like a think, level of clarity versus like a another new development. So, so yeah, we, it, yeah. Will, I've got a question for you. Are you familiar at all with Autech? It's no. it, okay. Autech is a military United States Navy facility that's located on Andros uh, North, I believe, and. So to the east of Andros, it's called Tongue of the Sea. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's super deep out there. And the the United States Navy does a lot of deep water sonar testing and monitoring. Uh, it's basically a research facility, Autech is. And there's a lot, a whole lot of um, folks that work there as civilian contractors and I can't tell you when Autech really came online or how long they've been around, but they monitored the living shit out of that area uh, with sonar. So it'd be interesting to me, and it might be a, a you know a direction to look is you know do they have records back to you know ninety five and did they paint a target that was you know coming out of Cargill Creek and 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 where did it go? That's uh, just it. Just came to me while I'm listening to you talk about this, because I've spent time in South Andros, uh, flew into Congo Town, did a DIY trip, um, rented a rented a house there, and it, and it all happened because a friend of mine, whose dad worked at Autech, um, there there's like a weekly flight over there. He'd gone over and fished around the flats of Autech, and was like, dude, you got to go to Andros. So we figured out, and, and, and we actually went down there for uh, a long weekend and flew in and did a DIY trip ourselves down there. So I don't, you know, just just spitballing an idea of who knows, May, maybe somebody yeah. you know could could go back in time and look at at you know something and go, yeah, actually we 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 actually know a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's such a fantastic fishery. And, you know, I mean, if anybody is down that way, if you go down to the south end there, I mean, you can still go. And, you know, we walked the remnants of Grassy Key Lodge 10 years after. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's pretty, 
it's remote, man. It's, yeah, the, uh, it's the, a road, the, the road ends down there, you know, and I believe there's a bridge that used to go even further to the south end that got washed out in a hurricane and you can't go any further anymore. We, we drove all the way down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I mean, when I was there, I think you could only reach the south end, you know, to where where that lodge was. Yeah, you could only reach it by boat. Yeah. Okay. So uh, going back to, uh, you know, down the path. So you've you've been interviewing people um, nine to 10 years after the fact, and you're starting to get some people that are more willing to talk about what they recall from from that time and that you know, what they saw, what they heard. Uh, just in the first episode, there was a whole lot of difference between uh, what the proprietor of the hotel recalled as far as the timeline that uh, friends were saying, yeah, we left the flat at this time and then it changed to that time. Mm-hmm. So the the timeline is, is changing a lot, the last I, I recall. Yeah, and that's, you know, listeners will hear more of the timeline uh, in episode two. So, you know, putting a story like this together, that's one of the first things you really have to sit down and, you know, literally kind of map out and triangulate as you talk to different sources um, to, to really understand as best we can what, what actually happened. And there's certainly, you know, there's some gaps for sure. But, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to different people, asking the same exact questions um, and, and making sure that, you know, I could I, I could triangulate on that timeline and, and kind of get a better understanding. And we'll we'll pick through that in pretty good detail in uh, in episode two. Another quick question and reading uh, the story today, refreshing. Um, there's a part where the. I want to say the proprietor for the lodge. Um, there's a there's a quote in the story, and she says that she was so mad, and I guess you know screaming and cursing, and and couldn't say what she said to those guys back then. Was that kind of made me think that she knew that it's pretty darn remote, or there was a possibility of some kind of danger, or you know, I don't know alligators or saltwater crocodiles or whatever it just seemed like her reaction to one fisherman out of four not being there when it was still light outside was kind of concerning yeah i mean it was she was oh my goodness i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna repeat it big factor in the story and swearing and all this and i'm like what that's kind of weird for her to to make this big stink right right when one guy it wasn't like two days later it was that day so is that is I mean, is that safe to say that maybe people knew it was they were going no, too far I out? Think that, no, I, I think that reaction that that you heard. I mean, mm-hmm. at least my interpretation of that was that you know it was it was her realization that not only was you know Ron gone, mm-hmm. but you know six, eight, ten hours might have elapsed since he's last been seen. I think that was it to be oh, like, whoa, yeah, yeah. whoa, whoa. Yeah. yeah it was a you little know, bit I, I too think... casual of, yeah, we haven't seen Ron and, and yeah, what was it? Three hours. No, it was probably five hours. No, it was like six hours. It, it came across to me when I listened super casual on their part about 
the fact that he wasn't wasn't around. It, it, it was almost like there was no caring there. Yeah, and that's that is you know I think you'll hear you know you'll hear that from you know from from other folks that there was kind of this disconnect between you know the potential severity of a situation of somebody being separated um, from a group like that in the area they were for that long. You know I think there there was a real sense of alarm mm-hmm. by some people and not by other people, right. and that that created, you know, quite a bit of a disconnect. And, and, you know, I mean, again, I, I, I also see it as, is, you know, Hey, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy situation and you know, how people mm-hmm. react to that. You know, I, I try not to be too judgmental about that. Sure. And, uh, you, you know, everybody, everybody reacts differently. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm looking at it and, and, and where I come from the, I did a trip to Alaska uh, four or five summers ago, whatever it was. And we literally, there was five of us on the trip and we got dropped off a hundred plus miles from town. And we had two weeks to float the Kisaralik river back to the, to the rally point where we were going to get picked up and brought back to town via jet boat. So we knew for two weeks we were on our own. The only link we had with the outside world was a sat phone. And we certainly all talked leading up to the trip while we were on the trip about what are we going to do if the worst case scenario happens, the what if factor. And one of the guys that was on the trip with us was in his 60s. And we had an afternoon where we're coming down the river and the daily routine was float, find an area that was braided. Everybody, you know, would hop out of the, the raft. We, we would pull the rafts up on the gravel bar and we would just explore this braided area, fish, have a good time. And there was never, um, you know, like, Hey, be back to the rafts in two hours. It was just like, go fish. Everybody kind of was on the same synchronicity of everybody would kind of come back to the, to the rafts at the same time. It just the way it happened. But on this one particular afternoon, we had stopped on this one braided section. We all went out and fished, worked ourselves through the area, had a good time. And slowly, one by one, we all show back up at the rafts, except for this one guy. And it wasn't like instantaneous panic. It was just like we got there and we took advantage of, hey, he's not back yet. So we got out, you know, like some cheese and some summer sausage and some crackers and, and, you know, had lunch. And then we're like, shit, he's still not back. And then slowly but surely, worst case scenario started creeping up. And everybody's like, where's the last time you saw, where was he the last time you saw him? Well, I saw him going that way. Yeah, I ran into him around the corner from, yeah, see that tree over there? I was around there and I saw him and he was going, yeah, to the west. And like the world stopped, even though we were in the middle of nowhere, we actually got really close to the point where we were like, we might need to power up the sat phone. This is going to like, this is a shitty situation. 
And then, you know, half hour after that, when we're all like really starting to get close to the panic, he comes around the corner. Hey, what's up, guys? And we're like, holy fuck. <laughs> you know what you just did? So, so I look at that and I go, I've been in that situation before where if I'm, if I'm fishing with the, the, the four of us at this table are in Mexico or Belize or wherever in the world fishing on a DIY trip, there comes a point where all the fun flies out the window and you go into the, oh my God phase. And I just didn't see that or I haven't heard it yet from his companions. And that's alarming to me. Yeah. You know uh, what, what I'm going to, you know, what, what my attempt to do is to share the, the facts that we know, what, what people who were the closest to the situation that we can find, what they you know, remember about the situation and then everyone's going to think about it through their own lens. And, you know, I mean, your lens sounds a lot like my lens, right? So, you know, you kind of think of it, okay, well, you know, I've been on those trips before. What would, you know, what would I do? But, you know, Hey, it's, it's kind of, um, my, my job's not to, you know, pass that judgment, but it's to kind of present it as best I can present it and let people kind of make their own decisions and, you know, kind of, kind of think about it through, through their own lens. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this question. Cause I'm looking at the time and I know that you've got plans later this evening. Um, what can we expect as listeners? I've listened to episode one. I'm dying for episode <laughs> two. Um, how many episodes should we anticipate or do you even know at this point is this is this so in the works that you're not sure is it going to be three five seven episodes what what should we expect is this going to carry us through the summer yeah no that's a great question i've heard a lot of that and a big thanks and it's so nice it's so great to hear everybody so interested in in wanting to hear the next episode and and i'd like to really really you know thank everybody for that and all the little notes i've i've received um, the game plan right now is to probably release six episodes and, uh, we're going to target to release an episode every two weeks. And, uh, you know, they're still being written. They're still being edited. I, you know, I still have requests out for interviews that I'm hoping people will accept. Um, so it is very fluid and we expected it that way, uh, to be that way. But that right now is the game plan. So I'm, I'm pretty confident where we are that we'll have a new episode out this coming Wednesday. And, uh, you know, if you want to subscribe, awesome, rate it and, uh, you know, review it if you can. That does help us get the word out because I want to go back to the whole, you know, reason of this, you know, what, why we've done it. It's a really interesting story. Uh, it's a very sad story. And, uh, you know, there is a, there is a very real person in, you know, in the, in the middle of it. And, um, there is a possibility that somebody could know something and come up with some information that, um, could, could move this story forward. And that's, that's really kind of what we're, what, why we're doing it. And, and another huge, huge shout out to, um, um, producer and editor, Jason Rolf. I mean, this thing would not be where it's at today without Jason's help. Um, I've got a lot of great comments about production and quality and, and that kind of thing. And Jason's been absolutely instrumental in, in putting this together. Um, I feel like I, I kind of ship him down a, a box of like nails and some two by fours and, uh, some plywood. And, and he comes back a few days later with like a, a, a awesome house with, with a hot tub in the back. So, um, nice. <laughs> to, 
to, to Jason and, and also all the support from the, um, the fly fish journal and, and supporting the, the effort as well. And, um, everybody who's, everybody who's participated in the, in the process too, in the interviews and, and taking the time to, to go through that and share the way they've shared, um, their stories with me. Sure. Um, Larry and I were, were kind of bouncing back and forth earlier. It's, uh, so episode one is the beginning of the story, how you came across it, and you start down the road. Um, uh, Larry was saying that you kind of you kind of compare notes as you go um, of things you found out. You know, I don't know, ten years later, or, or you know, later down the road. So I guess your your podcast series, the next six shows or whatever, will play out basically beginning, middle, and end as, as they go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and, you know, really it's kind of the, it's the story behind the story. And, and my goal is to tell the story in a different way than you can, you can tell it, you know, in a, in a written article Sure. and let, let listeners kind of understand how I learned about it and let them make decisions. Like I made decisions about kind of what's important and, and, and where, where things are going. So for me, it's a, it's a new it's a it's a real new experience, and um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of winging it a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, so. Will, you know, I actually have years. We're talking probably close to twenty years ago now. I, I I have a law enforcement background, and the fact that you include the audio, the interviews with the actual participants, the witnesses that are involved in this. You know, I listen to it through a prism of having been through 80 hours of interview and interrogation, um, you know, and, and understanding and how to listen to what a witness says, what they don't say, how they are very detailed, but then details evaporate around a particular portion of a story, but then they get really detailed again and it helps me. And I really appreciate the ability to hear those interviews, the way that you're putting them in the podcast, because I I really look at it and say, this is like the ultimate cold case because it's something I can relate to. It's something in somewhere I may go or I may consider going or I can at least relate to it because of my experiences. So it's really a, a, a unique perspective that we have because of the way you're given you know, you wrote the article, the article's out, those are your words, your perspective on what you've heard. But the podcast is giving us as the individuals the opportunity to hear the same thing draw our own conclusions and maybe through all of that, whether it's somebody who was reticent in talking to you now is willing to, or someone hears something and, and says, I got to send Will Rice an inter, uh, uh, an email because based on what I heard, these would be some great follow-up questions if they're willing to answer them that might actually expose more of the truth. So kudos to you. And, 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 you know, it's fascinating to me. I, I love it so far. 
Well, well, thanks for that. And, you know, again, thank you for, for having me on and thank you for your interest in, uh, in the story. And thanks to all your listeners because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's because of them that we, we do what we do. And, uh, I really appreciate the, uh, the interest in the story. Cool. All right. Can you well, give us real quick, um, how, how people find all of said stories. You have like a, maybe an Instagram handle or something where they can kind of, uh, start their start their journey with you and, and catch up on the podcast and you know all that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a great reminder. Uh, so for for the Ron Sheepshire story for Down the Path, you can find uh, all of the episodes at downthepathpodcast.com. You can also find episodes on Apple Music if you uh, just search for Down the Path or Stitcher. So um, the uh, the episodes are there. I don't have one single site and I'm, I'm probably slacker on that, but, uh, <laughs> you can, uh, definitely, I think you mentioned find you know, details about the other story, the, uh, disappearance of Stanley Bain. That's on the Drake. If you go to the back issues, I think it's, uh, uh I want to say summer or fall 2007. Um, but you can find that on the, uh, on the Drake, Drake mag site. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right, Will, we appreciate you taking the time out of your evening on a weekend to visit with us and talk a little about your project. We're digging it. Uh, we hope that all of our listeners will take our cue, start listening to Down the Path with Will Rice. And, uh, buddy, listen, uh, we talked earlier today. You're uh, actually going to be moving back to the good old U.S. of A. soon. So when you get back and settled in... Colorado, keep me updated. Uh, I end up out that way fairly uh, every once in a while anyway. And uh, maybe we can catch up and uh, have a beer in person and and debrief then. But thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you, Will. Thanks, Will. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. We'll do. All right. right. Have a good night, bud. Appreciate it. You too. Well, I tell you what, that was awesome. That was it's, awesome. That was exciting. The uh, it was kind of creepy though, right? Yeah. Well, reading the stories is creepy. Yeah. And he's been like, you know what I mean? Well, and what's what's he's, interesting to me is, you know, he's actually talking to people that during the initial investigation were like, nope, don't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. And nine, ten years later, he's talking to people that are like. Okay, I'm ready to tell you a little bit more about what I saw or what I heard or what I think happened. Because, yeah. you know, th- there's actually a pretty big uh, online community out there um, of people that look into cold cases oh, yeah, and yeah. old crimes. There's a lot of new, like, Netflix shows about all yeah. that. I oh, love yeah. That, man, that's a True whole crime, new thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, if Ron Sheepstra's widow somehow gets closure. You know, because yeah, yeah. because of Will's good work yeah. and, it, and it brings, you know, attention to his case. And, you know, it's uh, it sounds so cliche and you, you hear it on shows where it's like, you know, don't hesitate to call. You know, here's the hotline number. Please give us the tip. It may lead to something. It may not. It does. And it does. Yeah. It fucking absolutely does. Somebody's like, yeah, I remember seeing this one guy at a 7-Eleven and, you know, mm-hmm. and boom, the next thing you know, they're like, oh my God, we linked this guy with DNA evidence. You know, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. not the case yeah, in yeah, this yeah. one, but like it really, the, the most minute detail 
can break a case wide open. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. I think sometimes some of the stuff that I've noticed with those is people may lie to protect a, a I don't know, girlfriend or boyfriend or a buddy or something like that. Yeah. But now in both of these cases, years and years and years later, that probably isn't their boyfriend anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. That's probably not like maybe, you know, gang or something like that. That's not the gang that controls the neighborhood anymore. Right. So they're not afraid of them they're anymore. Not afraid. You know, so right. there's yeah. time can do a lot of stuff to where, yeah. you know, I can talk about stuff that's 20 years old. And, you know, and, and more, more, so, yeah, more yeah. so than that, you know, if you knew something and you've been thinking about it for 19 mm-hmm. or, you know, nine years, 10 years. Oh, yeah. You eats know, at your it soul eats at your soul. And, and, it, and it's and the time it's time to unburden yourself of yeah. this detail that, you know, and, and, and it might not be that that person is like telling the 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 one thing that, you know, it's just like something that's bothered them. And they're like, you know, I never said it back then. But by the way, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And somebody goes, holy shit. And it causes them to go look somewhere and they're like. Oh my God, we just found, or oh my God, it leads to the next clue. So yeah, you know it, it's it, it's one of the things we talk in endlessly <laughs> about social media and you know different, but you know the the podcast, the social media, there is good that can come of it, mm-hmm. and this is one of those cases, in my opinion, where we're actually seeing the reconstruction, the the relevance of some... I mean, think about it. If one, if we all went on a trip together and only three of us came back, there's going to be a lot of sad people. Yeah. And there's going to be people that are like wanting answers and to think it, uh, you know, I'd 10 years you, later... I'd miss you, Ben. Miss you too, <laughs> I wouldn't know I'd miss you because I'd be gone. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd miss you. Yeah. It's... One of the parts that two parts that have stuck out to me, one is the footprints. Like, yes, one. How did that stay for two days? I think in the story that Graham guy was talking about, two days they followed him. Like, okay, they followed from the water. What happened? When they they never say after they got out of the water. Like, if they go back toward the car, do they go the other way? That's just that's gone. And then the little snippet. It's almost like a glossing point about the trafficking. Uh, for like human organs. Oh, the, got, s- the slave yeah. trafficking. I've got some like a background yeah. in that, so not trafficking people. But whoa, not, whoa, 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 whoa! Okay, hang Dude. on. Without <laughs> pause. <Dude. laughs> no. Resume. Yeah. I know a lot more about that than the average person, right. and so just a quick gloss over like that instantly grabbed me, and I was like, okay, the footprints, like that. I can definitely see it, and I'd be really interested, like someone who case studies that more if they found it and kind of chased that and either ruled it out or was like, no, 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 this is a possibility. But that was a big dude to be trafficked. Right. Yeah. So more so than six smoothly. foot, six, six, and three, 310 three, pounds. Yeah. I weigh 210 pounds. and I'd be hard to move. Yeah. Like no struggle. Those footprints just stop. Okay. So, yeah. so not to be, not to be morbid. Sure. <laughs> and, Everybody at this table, have you ever moved a dead body? Yes. I have too. No. And fucking sick. The <laughs> the the weight of a human being. Like you may have picked somebody up that's asleep. Yeah. 
whether they realize it or not, a sleeping human will 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 yeah, yeah. The, they're like they're old. rigid. The, yeah. But you take an actual dead body and try to move the weight of a dead body by yourself. It's a fucking struggle. Yeah, yeah I believe it. And and. How much did he weigh? Three fifteen. Three fifteen. Three fifteen. Like good fucking luck with that. That's a big dude. And like, well, it's it's interesting because what like the theory of like the kind of a theory of like the the tide carrying him out. How could there have been that strong of a tide for a dude to disappear, but still Still, not mess those footprints? Okay, so so you're you're saying it it struck you as odd that there were still footprints there. So I've fished places in the Bahamas where it's a known fact that this particular island is very lightly traveled. Not many people go there. Mm-hmm. That's, of course, why I went, right? Yeah. And when I got there, one of the first questions I asked was, hey, how many people have you had last week? And they're like, oh, X, Y, Z. And I'm like, eh, Okay. And I go to a spot that was very hard to get to, spend the energy to get there, and as I'm walking that flat, I'm seeing fucking footprints, footprints from last week. And I'm like, it was deflating. Yeah. It has nothing to do with like this kind of situation. Right. But just like in the lagoon. So right now we're on we're, we're approaching a full moon right mm-hmm. so the water's getting pretty high here high and quick and quicker than normal and and yeah. quicker than normal a lot more water moving those footprints might get mitigated and, and and erased pretty quickly this week sure but two weeks from now somebody tromps around on an island those footprints are going to be there a while or even in the shallows because they're yeah. just so minimal yeah. so you have to take into account that yeah. as and well I, and I thought about that it was just that coupled with Maybe this dude floated out with the tide, and like I can see, you know, a body off gassing and being buoyant enough to kind of float. But then you've got a fly rod that those don't exactly just float in the water; they they no. hit the bottom. Like you've got all this stuff that's just gone. It's a the whole thing's really right. fascinating. Well, I found it interesting that the the elder statesman, the old fisherman in the village, was like, "The birds are going to tell us where Ron is in in three days." Oh, and, yeah. and the birds never came. The birds never. And, um, and and I think it was either the wife or the proprietor was like, well, what if he fell into, and I can't think of the Mexican name for it, it's basically like a blue hole, a sinkhole. Oh, uh, um, cenote, cenote yeah, or whatever. Yeah, cenote. Um, and they said, well, if he's in a cenote, he's still going to start decomposing in the off gassing. There's still, those birds are still getting, they're going to still come over and circle and be looking for that smell. Right. And I'm a believer that that's an accurate portrayal because cadaver dogs can, you know, smell. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and, and if, and if a vulture, right. a vulture is the ultimate cadaver dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Sure. Dude, I'm so totally interested in listening to the next episode. I can't wait. What mm-hmm. tonight's Saturday, so Wednesday when when that you only shows four up. Days. Four days. I'm gonna listen to episode one tomorrow on my way to Orlando. I'm looking forward to it. I yeah. can't wait. The reading the story was fascinating. Yeah. Well, when you listen to the to the podcast oh, yeah. and, and and you're actually hearing yeah. the individuals that he, I mean, you're he's playing. Like his portions of, of yeah. his recorded, you know, interviews. Yeah. 
So it, it's going to be very interesting to hear, um, and I know I'm looking forward to it. Something in both of those stories, something that you brought up, Larry, the story in Mexico, there's a base close. <laughs> they don't run drugs through there because there's a, there's right. a military base really close, so it's not a very good drug trafficking area. Uh, right. You're talking about that naval base. Autech. So it's probably not yeah, that good of an area Yeah, but the naval base either. is on North Andros, and that happened at South. Is it that island's like 100 miles long? Uh, yeah, it's pretty and forty so miles wide. Yeah. Something it's like kinda, that. There's but still, a room. Yeah, there's yeah. there's still wiggle room there. But uh, well, listen, um, I think we're gonna take an actual break this time. Uh, I know I need another cold beer, and uh, like we talked about when we first got started, Carl, we got notes. We got notes. We got notes. So uh, <laughs> we'll be right back and uh, get this thing going. Hope you've enjoyed it so far. So uh, that was one hell of a segment, man. I, I I'm so stoked that Will was able to call us, and uh, it makes it that much more intriguing. Yeah, it really yeah. does. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, yet again, if if everybody could be part of the in between segments conversation, it really led to a lot of a lot of discussion in yeah. the break mm-hmm. uh, about personal experiences and. You know, what if the four of us went on a trip and, uh, you know, lessons that we've learned so far are only have one car. That way, you know, if somebody's missing mm-hmm. sooner and it's harder to uh, try to abs- break ab- up. abscond <laughs> from yeah. uh, responsibility and be like, well, hey, you know, Mark had his own car. We didn't know he was yeah, gone. Yeah, you know, we, just, we just thought he went looking for hookers or right. something, you know. <laughs> I mean, Mark's always like the Bahamian hookers. What right. Can we I say? Mean, well, you know. You know? Yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> or Mexican ones. You yeah. know what I mean? Oof. You know, you know what was uh, one of the things that uh, I benefited from Will's podcast, as well as talking to Will on our podcast, was uh, pronunciation of Ichkalak. Yes. Yeah, when yeah, I read that yeah. in the story, I was like, nah, whatever. I mean, I <laughs> he was in Mexico, and when he says it. Every time I hear Itchkalak, it sounds like uh, it should be a town in Alaska. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, even, I gave myself a pass. Did you? Yeah. I did. I, I kind of just, there's I, that word again. I tried to make the over. X sound with my mouth yeah. a couple times, and I was like, nah. That's honestly, cool. <laughs> honestly, I was a little bit disappointed in you, Carl, because mm-hmm. when he said, you know, Ron was down in Itchkalak, I expected 100%, and you let me down 100%. 
Ai. <laughs> I was like, damn it, man. I, you know, I almost called my buddy down in Fort Lauderdale just to check. Yeah. Just to check with that. I was going to like take a picture of it, text it to him. It, Call me, man. Let me know what this is. What is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you pronounce this, this for me? Is this a bad part of the country? Um, yeah, that was cool, man. I'm, I'm excited about that. Very cool. Notes. Show notes. Yeah, for sure. Um, My first one. Uh, your friend and mine. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mike Johnson. Yes. Doggy uh, Daddy. Yeah. Uh, the new... I don't know if he's a part of a new organization or his group is hooked up with another yes. veterans group or something that have like a lodge yeah. or do like lodge trips. Yeah. Or they've got like there. a camp yeah. now on uh, Lake Geneva. Right. And it looks, uh, and uh, I believe Mike on Monday has a float trip where he's taking a couple of uh, Marine veterans mm-hmm. out. That's so, awesome. you know, he, I think the way Mike put it was, you know, he's all smiles. He's amazed at what he's been able to put together thus far. And it's just bringing joy to his heart to be able to share and, and and show some love to veterans that need that helping hand to, to to get better. Yeah. You know, there's no other way to say it. His organization or his group, I think it would be his like very like, Kind of local, his town, his county, whatever is what vet, veterans on the fly. Uh huh. Yeah. It's his. I don't know the arrangement or whatever, but the the man, this camp, this place looks. It's not like camping like in the dirt. No, it's no. like tight. I mean, it's like sweet. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Real good. <laughs> so so you know, Mike's doing yeoman's work, and and you know, I think we've talked about it in the past. Um, you know, Mike's work history. Mike was uh, a union electrician years ago, downturn in the economy back when Obama was driving the, the economy into the ground. He, you know, was out of work. He got like a little part-time gig that uh, made him happy. Uh, he was doing good stuff for a company until, uh, until he was tired of it. And he quit and he and I had a conversation one day and he was like, you know, I really am not in the position where I have to work anymore, but I need something, something for, you know, for myself, some purpose, some drive. Yeah. And he and I talked for a couple hours one day and it was, you know, find something that brings you happiness, something where you contribute. And that's where he's ended up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's doing it. Um, Mike's got, a heart of gold and to know that he's sharing his passion mm-hmm. and doing everything that he can do to bring people up and bring people forward yeah. is pretty awesome. Um, I was up in Tennessee last weekend, uh, actually the end of last week I was back by Saturday afternoon and, um, I was up there, unfortunately, for some family business that's, you know, not a lot of fun to deal with, but uh, I had a little gap in, you know, serious stuff and was able to go by the South Holston River Fly Shop. Uh, Robert King is uh, the gentleman that 
manages that shop. Um, it's a family-owned shop. It's been there for a long, long time. It's actually the oldest fly shop on the South Holston River. The uh, Champion family owns it. And uh, Mr. Champion, who who started there, the, the shop, he's pretty much retired now. And his son, uh, Matt, I believe, uh, still runs trips, but doesn't actually work in the shop. And uh, while I was there visiting Robert, um, it was kind of cool. This little feedback that you guys will appreciate. So if you guys remember... You know, we, we did the uh, Do You Double Hall Bro uh, stickers mm-hmm. and uh, trophy water guides mm-hmm. over in Carter County, over closer to the Watauga. One of their clients had seen our sticker and bootlegged it and gave them the sticker. And one of my past trips up there, I actually stopped by and, and, and gave them the real, the real the stickers. Real mm-hmm. yeah. And what happened when I was there... Um, I said, here, you know, charge a couple of bucks for them. We certainly are selling them on online and, uh, anything that you guys collect from it, donate it to some kind of, uh, fly fishing charity. And they decided that they were going to donate their money to the over mountain chapter of trout unlimited, uh, which they did. And, uh, that was great. And during that same trip, I was over at South Holston River Fly Shop, and I was there with Robert. And I said, hey, you know, I gave these guys a stack of stickers. I'm going to give you guys a stack of stickers. Do the same thing. You know, tell me what you want to, you know, donate the the money to. He immediately said Project Healing Waters. Oh, really? Nice. And, and Robert actually knew my dad was a participant mm-hmm. in Project Healing Waters there in, in, in East Tennessee. So on this trip, Robert made it a point to tell me that they sold out of stickers and he took the money that they got from those stickers at the shop and put it in the hands of project healing waters. And they actually used it to fund a awesome cookout event on the shores of the South Holston river. Not awesome. too long ago. Uh, so yeah, yeah. so that, that's kind of, kind of pretty cool that, to know that uh, that's what happened mm-hmm. with that situation. So, um, while I was there, um, I probably was at the shop maybe two hours or something like that. You know, just had a little little chance to hang out and shoot the shit a little bit. Um, here in the lagoon, um, what do we got? 70 permitted guides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That operate inside. In, yeah. Inside the refuge slash Canaveral National Seashore. Um, and then there's probably at least that many, if not more that don't work inside the park, quote unquote, but they're in the area, right? How many times have you run into somebody that's a guide out here and heard something not flattering about another guide that wasn't there to defend themselves? Mm. Uh, I, hear, I mean, I hear it. I yeah, hear it. Yeah. I mean, I don't fish up here often, yeah. and, but I hear it like just south of me and whatever. Uh, so, so is, I hear other guys rip uh, other guys. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, we've we've talked about you know like boat ownership. You know, my skiff's the best. Your mm-hmm. skiff. Well, 
I spent a good 35, 40 minutes hearing that the very same thing happens up there on the river that happens down here on the uh, lagoon. Yeah. And it was it was kind of like one of those chuckle things, like my hide's better than your RO. Yeah, yeah, all that. So, you know, it was just just kind of interesting to to know that uh, we're not alone in in the drama that right. that follows guided fishing. Mm-hmm. So. I'm personally team loud craft. Right. I mean, I did get that look today at the ramp. They did. It, yeah. Oh yeah, there was a guy at the nice Mitzi. Yeah. He's like, I come, he was looking I down come, on yeah, you. Yeah, I come okay. chugging in. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> everybody, yeah, it's like farts, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, while y'all are looking at that, I want to give uh, Rich Farino a shout out. Uh, caught up with Rich trying to get some material I needed for some Florida Flyco stuff, and called him. And he said, "I was actually going to uh, have you call me today." I've got a package I need to send you. I need to know size and color. And a couple days later, I had this nice district angling sim shirt show up. It's really soft, and it's got their uh, Abraham Lincoln Memorial holding the striper logo on the back. Yeah, yeah. And it came with a sticker that matched. And (gasps) you got your sticker. I got Mm -hmm. stickers, and Mm -hmm. I didn't use. I mean, use your discount codes, people. Um, (laughs) Eggplant Parmesan. so, Rich, thank you. It's awesome. Love it. Appreciate your support. Absolutely. You know, I, I too, have been a beneficiary of Rich's uh, benevolence. And yep. while I'm really enamored with and grateful for the Bug Stopper <laughs> shirt that I got from him, I don't know whether I lodged the complaint with Rich or maybe with Sims. It doesn't stop no Sims very well. Mm-mm. So doesn't stop love bugs either. Mm-mm. No, no, Mm-mm. no. There's not no. a lot that stop either of those two things. I, I actually, it, I actually love the shit out of that because it's a hoodie. Yep. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's been really great for for trying to stay out of the sun a little bit. So hey, yeah. you that, know. that's actually. I was a little bit weird about the whole, like, the buff thing. And after wearing those, like, hooded, like, T-shirts, yeah. I'm weird about the buff again. Yeah, I'm the I, same way. Because it does I what it needs to do. They were, like, a necessary evil. I've, yeah. like, I overheat. If I was going to say. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. It's just it's, like, you know, uh, and then, like. They you, don't breathe you well. You can't breathe yeah. very well. They're just tight. It's but, just tight yeah. around your It's neck. just not comfortable. Yeah. It's just like you're always kind of aware that it's there. That thing keeps it off the back of your ears. I mean, that's what you feel the most, the back of your neck, back of yeah, your ears. I, yeah, I, I've really started wearing hoodies a whole lot mm-hmm. now that I'm, yeah. you know. doesn't cover the face. Buffs, not so yeah. much. No, if you get, but if you get the beard, you can cover the face. Sorry, ladies. And <laughs> you, hopefully you don't have a beard. Less attractive. Um, as far as a 2020 presidential bid. Yeah. Butter and pearl. Oh yeah, that's what that's I'm. I'd, I'd that's vote the that. Ticket. Yeah, I think so. I don't care what party they run for. I'd vote for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure who's going to be vice and who's going to be president, but they can duke it out. Yeah, they can duke it yeah, out. They'll figure it out. Yeah. They'll sort It'd it be out. A, that'd be a winning ticket. Mm-hmm. Throw a ham bone down and just let them. Right. Whoever comes out with a ham bone. Right. You're the pres. Right. Yeah. Other one's vice. Yeah. So, um, since we're 
recording a podcast, I thought it might be uh, apropos to talk about another podcast. Seems reasonable. Are there other podcasts? There, there are. Um, there's, there's some that come and go. There's some that change names and cast of characters and then remorph and become what they used to be, kind of, sort of. And then there's the tried and true um, that have that have been popular for years. Um, An example of that is Anchored Mm -hmm. with April Vokey. Um, We're actually I'll speak for myself. I won't do the plural possessive. I'm a big fan of April Vokey's um, simply because. she has persevered over the years through a lot of criticism. She's stuck to it. She's done what she wants to do. She's done it her way. But I have to admit something. For as much as we've talked about April over episodes and I've met her in person, hell, I've rubbed her belly. (laughs) (laughs) She does a lot of podcasting. And I've never listened until this week. And the reason I listened this week was because I follow her on Instagram. She announced that the most recent podcast episode was she and Charles, her dear husband, sitting at home discussing fly rods and fly reels. And I thought, holy shit. Because secretly, no offense to... You were listening to it like you watch NASCAR. You were kind of hoping it would turn into like a domestic... No, 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 no. No, not at all. I wasn't in it for the wreck. I wasn't wasn't in it for the wreck. What I was in it for was, and we've talked about this, Charles, she sometimes... Charles will be like kind of like cameo appearance in the back of a story on Instagram. Yeah. And you can tell, like, you know, he's kind of a little bit disgusted with the fact that <laughs> she's trying. to almost roll out of Yeah, uh, almost yeah. out of his head. He's like, leave me the fuck out of this. I don't want to be part of this. So the fact that she got him to, to do, do yeah. an episode, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this. Mm-hmm. And I did. It was hilarious. I absolutely 100% think that. Charles could easily sit at this table and and be part of our podcast very easily. God, that'd be so fun. But only because what the reason I say that is not because he wants to be a pod, right. in, on a podcast. It's because he just tells it like it like is. It is. Like, there's no filter. Um, and I don't know if like he doesn't. Uh, he probably doesn't need to be on another one for a really long time. <laughs> right. He doesn't yeah, have, there's for no sure. future in it. Yeah, there's, not yeah. what he does for a living. He can just say whatever. Yeah. And he's fine. And, <laughs> and, and the, the funniest thing is like you glean a couple of little tidbits about how the two of them met. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get a feel for the dynamic. And you actually learn that even though he's the he's like Silent Bob. Mm-hmm. You know, in any of her social media, he's just silent Bob. You know, he might give a look. He might have one word to say. But in this, you actually get to hear him and and, and the interaction between the two. And he actually 
knows a lot about fly fishing. He's got a history in fly fishing. That's how they met was fly fishing. So you kind of learn a little bit more about him. But uh, it's if if you have or haven't listened to it, I'd love to know what other people thought about it. It's kind of the deconstruction of Charles, who, who's always the quiet guy in the background. He actually steps up to the microphone and shares some opinions. And a lot of them, I'm like, hell yeah, preach it, brother. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're pretty spot on on the, you know, hey, I'm just now getting into fly fishing. What do I get? Mm-hmm. And Charles fucking tells it like it is mm-hmm. um there's no sugarcoating it so it's pretty cool well she's been doing those articles too yeah you want to be a guy yeah or, the meat eater like it's yeah. almost like a i don't want to call it a rebranding but because she's become part of the meat eater brand i think they're having her do a lot more almost uh, orvis type you know, well, so you want to, or let mm-hmm. me teach you how, because most of her podcasts prior to this, even though I haven't listened to them, my understanding is they're basically interviews of like poignant and, and important, sure. influential, you know, people in the industry. And she goes to their home and sits down and has a chat with them, which is awesome. Um, there's actually two or three of her podcasts that I have on my phone that I downloaded with the intention of listening to, I just have never gotten to it. Yeah. When I saw it was her and Charles, I was like, fucking A, I'm listening Bingo. to this yeah. right now. <laughs> so I wonder if Charles played it to where, like, he's not cooking dinner or doing dishes for, like, a month. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll do it. There's, I'll do the podcast, sure. Yeah. yeah. I would say here's there, my was, terms. there was a deal made. Tit for yeah. tat. Yeah. Here's my terms. <laughs> Signed the, here. Uh, yeah, the, the meat eater stuff swinging back i got and i've gotten my hunting license this year and it i saw i started listening to theirs and not unfortunately but it's a lot more out west like elk hunting type stuff so it's hard to translate it down to knowledge for florida scrub brush hunting but right they had when i went on their website nutria shooting (laughs) (laughs) i call it that'd be fun um they had a fly fishing section, but it was always really weak. Like it was two articles, and they I was like, "Why do they even have this on their website?" Then, like about six months later, she came on, and now it's they're actually populating it. So I think that's kind of where you're seeing a lot of articles from are kind of coming quick, right? And I, I think it has to do with that. And I, I haven't read any of them. I know they're I've heard they're really good. I just haven't really had time to stop moving the last month. Um, I, I, you know, I, I do want to go back and I've read excerpts. I haven't read the full article, uh, on like, you know, so you want to be a guide. Yeah. And I would love, cause you know, one of the things Robert and I were talking about when we were, you know, when we were talking about the whole guide war thing up there, um, there's, and it relates to down here. There's a lot of people that will say, yeah, I'm a I'm a guide in Mosquito Lagoon, or I'm a guide on the South Holston and the Watauga in East Tennessee. And they've only been fishing or fly fishing for like two years. You know, they just went and bought a boat. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it for a couple of years. And because they have a boat, they're now a guide. Um, we see it happen down here, uh, especially with the quote-unquote part-time guides, which... There's very few who I would consider full-time guides here and probably even fewer up there that make their living solely from Mm -hmm. 
taking people fishing. Um, so I would be interested because April's been in the industry for at least as far as I know, 15 years, probably a little bit more than that. Who knows? Um, and to, to hear what she would, what kind of opinion she would share or wisdom that she would prescribe to people of, well, if you're wanting to do it and you're going to do it, you know, A, B, and C, if mm-hmm. you are actually D, E, and F, you're a fucking poser. I don't know if she goes into that level mm-hmm. of detail, but uh, somebody needs to... Uh, get a lot of people's attention and say, Hey man, just if you like to fish, like to fish and go fish. Like right. there's no reason to hang a shingle. Right. right? Yeah. <clears throat> I thought about that with like a lot of, so like there's a branding of products and equipment and, and whatnot. It's always the guide or the professional version or the tournament or the whatever. There's never really, you know what I mean, like that. Well, that makes you cool. Well, if you that's like yeah. professional brand ambassador. Yeah, 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 professional. Well, you used to be. I'm on pro staff. Pro right. staff's no longer cool. Right. No, I'm 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 a brand ambassador. Right, influencer. And, and, and then right. then it went from brand ambassador to professional brand ambassador. Right, and it's <laughs> like, what's the next iteration of that? I wonder if you get a check with your ten percent off. yeah you can pay us to have the privilege of saying this right um you know people like people look at it like it's like they're legitimate it's it's not just their hobby anymore they're legit like they're well okay so beyond that okay so there's there's people that have started a company and and you know i'm going to use air quotes they start a company and immediately it's we need brand ambassadors. And mm. it's like, well, you haven't been a company but like a year. Like, why don't you market your company? Why don't right. you do the hard work? Like, you know, you haven't been around enough and have a body of work enough that somebody should be willing to stand up and say, these fucking guys kick ass. They make the best rod. But they it, make the best that you don't know. Nobody knows. Well, right. Nobody yeah. knows. So today... Um, I made a post on. <laughs> I was just going there. I, I, I made a post. <laughs> I made a post on the podcast Instagram, and talking about how awesome Mosquito Lagoon is, how much we love it, and that's why we're doing the Dingy Derby <laughs> Poker Run, and it's to benefit the Marine Discovery Center here in New Smyrna Beach. And if you want more information, go to our website, blah, 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 blah. Hashtag conservation, restoration, yada, 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 yada. Well, apparently somebody (laughs) who claims to be some type of advocate or charity for sea turtles. Sea turtles. Sea turtles. (laughs) And I think it really has to do a lot with straws and sea turtles Mm. um, made the only comment on that entire post love what you're doing we need a brand ambassador please message us (laughs) that's you need some okay message me well there you go that's that's my initial thought is so instead of you clicking message and saying hey this is awesome you're going to 
make a public post telling me to message you. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was laughable. So yeah. I was like, who are these clowns? And I, I click on them. And they've got like 123 followers. They've got like six posts. And they're, they're a sea turtle concern, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every one of their posts are either a tortoise or a freshwater <laughs> turtle. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, I'm, I'm detecting a, a certain level of fraud here. <laughs> I'm thinking that if I get, if I become an ambassador for these people, mm-hmm. I don't see the upside for this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two or three times this afternoon, I returned to that post and I thought, what kind of smart ass comment can I make? And then I kept saying, you know what? Not even worth the time. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, Carl and I have been talking about that a little bit at the shop with like the whole I'm legitimized because this company wants me to do something or I get a percentage off and whatever, you name what, whatever the deal like if is. You're, if you're sponsored... Yeah. It makes your experience better somehow. Or and like, when did it just not be cool enough to go hop in your skiff with your kid or your friend and just go fish? Like, why did it have to become like, like we left, like part of what makes fishing awesome is you get away from the corporate rat race and the chaos of everybody trying to one up each other and get ahead here and there. And it's like, some of that's trickled in through this. Right. And I mean, as a small business owner in in the fly fishing industry, trying to like, it kind of really disgusts me. And like, we don't have pro staff. We don't do that. And we get messages for it all the time. I know I've tried. Yeah. Sorry, Mark denied (laughs) like eight times. So, okay. So let's, let's examine Florida fly co versus Haller brothers. Yeah. Okay, so Haller Brothers, most everybody knows who that is, yeah, right? Right. I own some Haller Brother products. Yep. Uh, there's some of Haller Brothers stuff that I really fucking like, and there's some of Haller Brothers stuff I'm like, fuck you, that's trendy, wouldn't be <laughs> caught dead in. Yeah. Regardless, what I find trendy and offensive, you might think is cool, and what I think is cool, you might think only a fucking old man like Larry would fucking wear that, right? But I'm also super thrifty, um, probably, probably to a fault. Um, some people call me cheap. I like to say I'm thrifty. So <laughs> a lot of times, if I'm buying Haller Brothers, I'm buying last year's or last season's yeah. stuff because mm-hmm. it's on their sale. Yeah. And it's, and it's pretty deeply discounted. And I'm fine with that because – my personal style doesn't change a lot. So right. from you like know, season to season yeah. or yeah. year to year, yeah. Carl, yeah. Well, yeah. or decade, decade uh, yeah, yeah, in my decade, case. Yeah. So, but, but okay. So I know some folks that are on Haller brothers program. So they must be very influential in the, in the industry. They must be, you know, people must look towards what they're wearing and go, Oh my God, so-and-so is wearing that. I need to get it. At least that's what they think. The, the, the recipients of being on the program, but having been in the industry as a rep for a fly rod manufacturer, I have the understanding that when, the manufacturer sells to the retailer 
they keystone it and it's basically 50%, right? Yeah. So if this awesome hat that Howler makes is being sold at kicking ass fly shop, kicking ass fly shop selling it for 30 bucks, they're paying Howler 15 for the privilege, right? right? Yep. They're going to step on it. They're going to make their money. Howler was very fucking happy selling that hat at $15 to the fly shop. Sure. Fly shop, super happy to sell it for the 30 bucks. And right there in the middle is the cool guy that's like, dude, brah, I'm on Howler's program. Hey, bro. Hey, I'm on, I'm on the program. You know what discount they get? 40%. So Howler, who was fucking super happy to sell it at 15, at 15 is actually making better than 15. Right. And, and who's not making any money on that deal? The fly, fly shop. shop. Right. So Howler's actually making a better profit margin selling to Hey Bro Hey. Yeah. And they don't do, like, you know, there's, and that's the thing. There's not a whole lot of people that get the discount code or whatever. And Howler's, you know, putting that code out there to, to those individuals that want to feel important. But I always laugh and think to myself, you're not really getting like a fucking great deal. You're still overpaying like Howler. Like if you were truly that, that shit, you know, Howler would just give the shit to you because they want your head to be wearing that hat because, but instead they give you 40% off, which makes them get a 60% margin instead of the 50% that they Mm -hmm. would, that they're okay with. Yep. And you walk around like you're something. Advertising. Yep. Yeah, yep. advertising. Um, <clears throat> you know, and then there's me. I'm waiting for the fucking discount because, mm-hmm. you know, I like their stuff, but I don't like it at 80 bucks. I like it at 40 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm okay to wait till the end of the season to get it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes I don't get it because my size is gone. But, <laughs> you know, I'll check out next season. But it's, mm-hmm. worth, the, it's worth the gamble. It's like, right. you know... It, Different financial situations. So, so as a small business owner, you probably get, you know, Howler probably gets a hundred, you know, through the course of a quarter, you know, hundred. Hey, you know, let's collect. How many more than the discount? How many times do you get the? Hey, man, you guys are doing awesome stuff. We should do a collab. Uh, I've gotten it a few times. Yeah. So that's actually one of my points in my notes that. It's a, it's a little bit of a yay or nay. I mean, I know how, how I feel about it. The branded beers. Uh-huh. Uh, so you'll have... Uh, let me think of one. Well, right. I want to say there's a... Su- is it a Sweetwater one that they just did with Costa Sunglasses? Yes. Yes. Kick Plastic IPA. And it's with uh, the street art guy from Strata. Yeah, Yeah, from South Florida. I think I saw a Howler Brothers beer not too long ago. No, I think Howler's doing some kind of a mixed drink or something. Oh, okay. Maybe like some kind of whiskey or something. Maybe. Which, like right now, this branded beer is Persimmon Hollow. Right. What flavor, Ben? Lake Town Log or Lake, Lake View Logger. Lake View Logger. Yeah. And uh, it's a collaboration with their own brewery. They right. just brew it. 
and Jameson, <laughs> Jameson made sure that we had some of it. And beer. And it's fucking delicious. Yeah. But I saw the same thing you did. There's some, uh, there's like, they're starting to do a little bit more. And there's one, uh, Hometown one, the Dunedin Brewery and Westside Skate Shop did yeah, one together. Yeah, but both like reasonably now, small on. businesses. Yeah, in the same that's town, that's, so that's in yeah. the same town. Yeah. Like you know, leveraging off of everybody yeah. is cool with each other. But like, there's like these bigger. I'll be like, less. Not- I'll be less likely. You know what? I don't even know that I want to say it out loud. I saw the <laughs> beer that you just referenced, mm-hmm. and I saw the main corporate sponsor that was in the collab. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. I just saw another. I, I just went a beer. I went, hmm, hmm. Yeah. And the message behind it, hmm. And then I saw the artwork, and I was like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> it's it's. And you've summed it up perfectly with the hmms. And yeah. so sometimes it can be a positive. Sometimes yeah. it can be a negative. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go there. Um, yes. The kick plastic. Um, I'm drinking out of a Tervis right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a delicious persimmon hollow beer in a Tervis. They're collaborating. And and I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with the fact that I'm drinking out of a Tervis. From time to time, I will find myself hot, thirsty, parched even. Mm-hmm. And I will walk into a 7-Eleven, and I will purchase a bottled water. Mm. A one-time use plastic container filled with delicious filtered spring water that's been ozonated and maybe even a little bit of uh, minerals reintroduced Flor- into maybe it. Maybe even fluorinated. Maybe even fluorinated. Yeah. And there's certain elements within our industry and within society that would otherwise say that I should be ashamed of myself yeah, and that I should kick plastic. And in and of itself, the message to me should be not kick plastic, but be fucking responsible with plastic because mm-hmm. the way that the plastic kick plastic message is being put out there is just the, plastic bottle itself is bad is bad it's evil it's not true Mm -hmm. what's evil and what's wrong is people acting irresponsibly with their plastic bottle i've been drinking water out of plastic bottles for a long 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 time Mm -hmm. on my skiff in mosquito lagoon and never once have I finished it in that moment of sheer refreshment. <laughs> just thrown it over to the yeah. side of the boat. Right and kept going. Yeah, yeah, just like. Whew. That was good. Oh, that was fucking good. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that's <laughs> where, you know, and, and I mean, there's a certain amount of, you know, okay, kick plastic. You know, it, it sounds good. It's. But it's too definitive, and it doesn't really address the actual problem. I think the problem there, and I've been, re- you know, I read those articles, and I see, oh man, like this place, nobody lives out in the middle of Indian Ocean somewhere, and look at this beach, just full of plastic and all this shit. That's probably not from the consumer. I feel like that's from like a garbage company, like some big 
huge corporation that's paid to remove garbage and get rid of it. And then they just dump that shit in the ocean. China. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like it's like people well, that are like losing uh, it out I'm, of their I'll pockets. I'll disagree. Um, Is it from like crappy I'm, landfill practices and stuff and just no, like dumping I, shit in the ocean? So let, let's go to the Philippines and for any Filipino listeners, I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest with some of my, <laughs> my experiences. Okay. They don't. Because we're going to the Bahamas when we finish up in, in, in the Philippines. So go ahead. Perfect. Um, we're going international. I love it. Worldwide. Mm-hmm. They don't, there's some awareness, but there's not a big, like, you eat a candy, you throw it, you just drop the wrapper in the street because whatever. Right. It's, there's a lot of that. And it's, it's like, the hey, culture. It's the culture. It's like no one sat there and said, hey, um, there's, see that, see that vessel over there? It's, yeah. it's, it's circular. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, a hollow column. Yeah. There's no lid on it. That is called a, tr- Rash can. Right. And there's and, like and now that you've finished your snicker bar, the wrapper that it came in now becomes there. No, it's no longer a Snickers wrapper. It's trash. It goes there. I'm glad you said Snickers. I actually bought one on the way here and forgot to eat it. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually angry. One one of the one of the standard bearers, for lack of a better way to describe them. Someone that, Carl, you know, I've spoke with him on the phone, fucking awesome individual. I've talked to him on the phone. I've talked to him in person, Oliver White. Mm -hmm. Oliver is definitely part of the kick plastic movement. And he did a piece probably in the last six weeks. There was a a video where one of his two lodges, if not both of them, are now employing the use of Yeti containers to take water on the skiff and serve the client's water in a, in a reusable uh, cup and thereby eliminating the need for plastic bottles. And during that piece, he made the statement that, you know, the... Here in the Bahamas, we we have a tremendous amount of garbage that we end up seeing on the flats and on the beaches, and it's not from here. If I owned a lodge in the Bahamas, I would likely say the same thing. However, having been someone that's visited the Bahamas as a consumer and a traveler and has been from the very southeast corner of Bahamas to the very northern reaches of Bahamas and a lot of spots in between. The Bahamian culture is when you're finished with it, you drop it and you walk away from it. And there's a lot of fucking garbage and a lot of trash (sighs) that ends up on the street, in the backyard, the front yard, on the flats, in the ditch, everywhere. And it was disingenuous to say, not saying that he was being dishonest, Perhaps where he's been in the Bahamas or around his lodge is a lot nicer, and he hasn't seen that. But I've seen the exact opposite of what he was saying. Yeah. That being said, I think that it's a wise business decision. It's prudent that if you don't have to buy thousands of cases of bottled water, yeah, and that ship now, it there and ship it there, and now 
being responsible because I feel he is responsible. He cares about the environment deeply. Yeah. I respect Oliver White. It eliminates the need for maintaining the garbage, getting rid of the yeah, garbage. Absolutely. And when you live on an island, that is a laborious task. So instead, mm-hmm. they're they're going to the the Yeti program, which mm-hmm. is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've got um, a bunch of um, not Yeti containers, but like I, I bought a couple from Sims. Like, you know, fl- yeah. flasks or whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. flask—that's yeah, yeah. the word. And and I use those all the time now. Uh, but in a pinch, if I need a bottle of water, I buy a fucking bottle of water. Yeah. And you know what and happens with the bottle when it's it. empty? I throw it in the garbage. Yeah. And hopefully, responsibly, it ends up and it goes wherever it needs to go, and it's it's disposed of properly, so it doesn't end up in the the water. And I do believe if we can reduce consumption, which I'm trying to do, that's great, but it's not the panacea. It's not the one single thing that we can eliminate because it's, it's just not well, practical. We, yeah, we are the, the know, more though. practical. The yeah. more practical message is be responsible, pick up, you know, leave no trace. Anybody familiar yeah. with yeah. leave no trace? Pack it in, yeah. pack it out. Pack it in, yeah. pack it out. Like I think that message would get us a lot further down the road in improving the the outdoor environment than the you've got to buy this in order to be that there is some have kind of eco warrior like, credibility. Yeah, there's like a weird yin, yin and yang with it where I mean Oliver White's a probably a, a learned individual. Absolutely. He wasn't throwing plastic in the water before. No, right. it's no, not like no. he was. He was once lost. Now he is found. Right. He didn't do it before. <laughs> no, and he doesn't do it still. Right. The people that do it, I think, it are are lost with a with a high dollar can branded I, bottle. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's more likely or less likely that Oliver White pays for his Yeti? Hmm. No, Products. I think he does. Uh, I he think does the amount probably of product that he it, it's probably paid. For. I would imagine a some little, of yeah. them. There were like uh, well, hold on, you're cases. you're wanting to say it, but you're holding back. I'm pretty I, sure he probably got a deal. But I, that's not, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's because because he's a what an ambassador, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's a certain part of it that I, when I see that message, I say. <clears throat> It's a good message, but it's kind of a contrived message because he's doing it because he's being enriched by Yeti with the hopes on Yeti's part that Mark and Ben and Larry and Carl will go, you know, this is a good idea. You know, this is in in order to in order to be seen seriously. I need to have one of these Mm -hmm. because Oliver's doing it. Mm -hmm. And. And if somebody uh, that I would like to impress, such as Oliver, were to ever get on my boat, I need to have one of these. It has to be this brand. Mm-hmm. So there's <coughs> the funny thing about those. I actually follow a, a Reddit called Buy It For Life. And it's just stuff that, most of the time, it's stuff that people have just had forever. Like, oh, you know, my parents gave this to me when I started college and I just gave it to my kid that started college. It's like, you know, some blender or something. Just stuff that lasts forever. Right. More times than not, those items, like most, you know, consumer items, some tools, whatever, that community loves that Stanley (coughs) 
green Stanley thermos. Thermos. Yeah. This isn't like a new idea. Okay, so that sucker, those suckers from like the forty, dude. Right. Yeah. They look the same. You can get them, buy them now. The exact same color. Okay, so I was in Tennessee this past week, and or a week ago, and it's so fucking weird that you brought up the Stanley. It, it's a glass lined. Mm-hmm. Stanley is a yeah, glass yeah. lined thermos, right? Yeah. Steel on the outside, glass lined. If you put hot soup in it, it stays fucking hot all day. If you put cold in it, it stays cold all day. And my father passed away back in in September, and I'm talking to my stepmother, and my stepmother and my father knew each other when they were children. And we're like reminiscing, telling stories about my dad. And we get to a point, and it reminds me of something, and I'm like... You know, let me illustrate to you guys the house that we're talking about where where you're living, where you lived with my father. He built with his own two hands. Uh, He designed it. He saved money. And when he retired from the Air Force, he came home and he built it. He used a Ford 8-in tractor with a plow and a blade to excavate the basement. He laid the block. He did all the framing. He taught himself what he needed to learn. He did everything to build this house with his own two hands, except for one thing. He did not lay the brick. He hired a brick mason because it's such Mm -hmm. a spec. Like you you have to be a. Yeah. And I said, Mr. Barnes. I said, and I remember this, and I remember Mr. Barnes. Mr. Barnes so fondly because I was four and a half when we when we started the house and it, it's a big house so it took like almost a year for Mr. Barnes with a helper to do the brick masonry mm-hmm. on this house but Mr. Barnes I loved Mr. Barnes you know I, I'm like right before I'm going to kindergarten through kindergarten Mr. Barnes is like a daily part of my life because he's there every day Mr. Barnes would come there and at lunchtime, I would always find Mr. Barnes because he had one of those <laughs> mm-hmm. fucking thermoses. Yeah. And inside that thermos, he would finish the sandwich and whatever that his wife had made for him. He would bring like a, he had like the old school yeah. mm-hmm. um, oh, like lunchbox, lunch pail. Uh-huh. Yeah. And inside of that, the last thing that would come out was that Stanley, and it was green. Yeah. yeah. And he would take the lid off of it, and he would reach inside. And he always had the, and they go by a bunch of different brand names, but in East Tennessee, it's called a brown mule. And it's a stick with a piece of uh, ice cream that's been dipped in chocolate. Okay. It's like a, it looks yeah. like a popsicle, but yeah. it's actual yeah. ice. And he would hand me mine and he would eat, <laughs> and we would sit there and I would eat ice cream with Mr. Yeah. Barnes every fucking day. That's awesome. And like, you know, and, and, what I remember the most about it is that fucking thermos. Yeah. When that thermos came out, I was like, fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's that, do it. That it's like a soft green in color. Yeah. They still sell the exact same yeah. one today out of the same machine, probably. It's not a new idea. No. <laughs> and that's what kind of blows my mind. And it's not like the old ones are like not as good as the new stuff nowadays. They're still They're here. The They're the same the damn 40s. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exact same. So I, it is kind of funny. It's like, oh, we have this new technology, guys. 
we've sorted it out. But but you know, I don't think Yeti's ever tried to say that they have new technology. They've just done a really kick-ass job at marketing. Marketing. Yeah. They really have. Yeah. Because and, and I don't know how many people have like owned a Stanley Thermos that had heard, like saw the Yeti thing, like, oh, I like that. Right. Where they did you know, hadn't had a thermos in front of them before. They probably went and picked it up and went. This is kind of like what I got at home already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, to, to Yeti's credit, it, it became more than just, you know, buying less ice or, or, or you know, for a cooler or mm-hmm. when, when they – Yeti's been very good at seeing the lifespan of each product as their market becomes saturated – they continue making that because they know that people are going to eventually, you know, acquiesce to it, you know, or going to need a replacement or a bigger one or whatever. But they see that that market saturation is happening and they develop a new product. Yeah. And, and because they did such a good job initially with their cooler and developing the cool factor of the cooler the next product becomes the next cool thing that you have to have in your Yeti repertoire. So and there, and to there conti- has to be a backstory. Yeah. 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 There always has to be like a why you need this. Right. And, and one of the reasons that they're so successful is the backstory. Mm-hmm. It's the storytelling that yeah. Yeti does mm-hmm. along the way that they, their films that they do. Mm-hmm are nothing short of amazing. Like, you know, they tug at your heartstrings. Um, yeah, they're what's, high quality. They're what's, cool the one, what's the one, the dog? Oh, Sam. Yeah. Dog Sam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Something, something with Sam. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, I, I'm not beating up on, on, you know, Oliver White. As a matter of fact, Oliver, you've always got an open invitation to come and sit down <laughs> with us because honestly, I think that you've probably got some great stories to tell, some wisdom to share, and maybe some perspective that we're not seeing. He's probably had a hundred bad days. I would say mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least. Um, and it's not necessarily, I mean, Yeti's a really easy example. Right. But it's like some of those like co-branded collaborated beers that I was thinking of. It's like, I don't know. There's a lot of companies that kind of do the same thing. Yeti's just a really easy one because they're big and they're like in your face. And they do it well. So it's it's an easy one to kind of grab for. With those kind of beer collaborations, like you kind of like, what does this company know about making beer? Like outside of just slathering my logo and my brand on something that people are going to see. Yeah, there's something really nonsensical. Like I don't ever look at it and think like, well, I bet I bet Costa someone from Costa sat down and handpicked without any help. Like, yeah. It's not like you can use this hops or this one. It's like, here's what I want to do. Let's do this. If we grab these these ingredients, can, do you think this will work? Like, let's collaborate on. It. Like, I yeah. highly doubt. Yeah. Someone's idea, and not that it seems disingenuous. You can make it's a just heck like, of a fishing reel. I bet your beer is awesome. Yeah, it's just like exactly. nonsensical. You know what I mean? Doesn't there, yeah. why? Like why would it? Well, know you know, that? I mean uh, to defend. Costa for for a second, you know they have been on the forefront of the kick plastic movement. Yeah. Um, even though all their frames are made of plastic, mm-hmm. you know, like they're a huge plastics manufacturer, they're a huge plastics yeah. manufacturer, but just not plastic bottles, Carl. Please, um, <laughs> the good kind, and and yeah, the good kind of plastic. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, this beer collaboration that they're doing with Sweetwater, 
I guess a portion of the proceeds goes towards that mission that they're yeah. that they're mm-hmm. undertaking. And okay, you know, again, I think if we can reduce the amount of waste that goes to the wrong places, yeah, that's good. That's good. But it's not like this teetotal, you know, it's not as black and white as they would as the marketing puts it out there. Yeah, and that, that's right. always that's always my my sticking point. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just try to overanalyze too much stuff. But they just uh, kind of assume a lot. Yeah, it just assumes a lot. Like, and you know, if you think about it for thirty seconds versus two, if you hear it on the radio, you're like, "Hey, wait a minute, are you saying I'm the dude that's just throwing plastic all over the place? You asshole! I put it in the garbage can." Right. I don't have to buy anything from you. As a matter of fact, I don't want to anymore. That's right. You assume I'm just a garbage chucker. So, so on, on the beer front, yeah. um, I haven't really looked. Um, I think it's been about a month ago now. I think I shared with you guys on the, um, uh, except for you, Ben, uh, <laughs> We're working on, on, that. on the group <laughs> chat um, or the group text, whatever, how, whatever the fuck we call it these days, the uh, Patagonia beer. That's the one I was yeah. talking about. Okay, well, That's the other one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so Patagonia beer is actually an Anheuser-Busch product. It's not actually Patagon- Patagonia, not, yeah. not Patagucci. Right. But Patagucci actually does have a beer that, and again, the silliness of, well, you need to drink our beer because the beer is made with a sustainably grown grain versus the grain that the other beers made from the the Patagonia and, and it's called something different it's not called Patagonia beer so apparently Anheuser-Busch went and trademarked Patagonia beer five or six years ago and it's just been sitting on it huh. and they finally decided hey it's time to make Patagonia beer and if you buy the beer for however many cases of beer is bought, they actually like donate um, the um, they donate um, money to to plant trees. Okay. So Patagucci, the eco warrior company, is like, wait a second, you're co opting our message. You know, you're confusing our consumers. Right. Our consumers are buying your beer, thinking that they're actually buying our beer. Is the lettering like the same? And no. Oh, and it's just. A couple of mountains. It's like not the Fitzroy mountain. Like, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not seeing Patagucci on this. So Anheuser-Busch is like, no, we're we're fighting you. So I, I, like I said, it's been like six weeks since the lawsuit was filed by the Gucci against the beer guy. And I don't know where it is right now, but both sides are like vehemently like, we're going to get you. So, so it's going to be fun to watch that play out. Yeah. Patagonia like provisions. Patagonia lose some money on that. Uh, <laughs> if I'm just going to be honest and open and frank about it. The Augusta Bush family. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Let's make, make it. Well, you know, did, birthday, yeah. okay. Yvonne Chouinard, mm-hmm. the, the, cool. Gu- the Gucci founder, mm-hmm. I guess he just came out with a new book um, about sim the simplicity of fishing and it's pretty much borderline like Tinkara mm-hmm. Bible is, oh, is, is fishes, my take on it. Zero percent surprised. Uh, 
I th- we might have talked about this or I read something about this. He'll fish one pattern. Right. For like a year. Really? That, like he won't like match the hatch and do. He thinks like just in presentation he can change like, you know, it's like a really, really dumbed down fly. Okay. That doesn't really think, look anything in particular. I think like there's that. a little bit to be said for that. As yeah. As far as. I mean, we've seen it with redfish. You can kind of... Well, I, I'm a big believer it's presentation over pattern yeah. all day long, but... That being said, especially when you start getting to trout stuff, mm-hmm. because, I mean, I clearly it, I'm an expert because I've not caught Long one. route, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. They... I've tried running... Oh, cool. I've tried running, like, a... Because I find, like, nymphing boring. It's like nymphing's not, like, what's going on. I will run a, like a woolly bugger streamer and try to like, I'll keep changing that pattern up and guess what? Not the, the greatest thing doesn't really right. just connect. I, I read, I, I believe I read a little article. He's just like, you don't, you, he's like stripped back even like a really light fly box to like a pattern. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, for him. This. You must have caught that's enough the thing. fish. Everyone likes to like User. have a. Yeah. <laughs> he, oh, you caught enough fish. Must be nice. Yeah. You can just start trying weird stuff. All right. <sighs> so, uh, Carl, you just showed me a, another beer, mm-hmm. and uh, that reminded me uh, I, I should at least reach down and uh, distribute. We've got some uh, pretty awesome koozies, and koozies keep beer cold. So, mm, that was true. my thought process. Um, these are pro staff koozies from uh, Highland Syndicate on um, Instagram. Who behind that is actually Dalton? <laughs> and, a pork uh, commander. Pork <laughs> commander. Well, commander. I like that. <laughs> but th- th- I think it's apropos because he actually cooks on a Traeger and does competition mm-hmm. barbecuing. Yep. And this is oh, his his barbecue yeah. team. Yeah. So nice, uh, Dalton. We appreciate <laughs> you yes. thinking of us, uh, fellow pro staffers. Hashtag Let It Ride. My my koozie game has gotten a lot stronger I since I started this podcast. Like started doing this podcast mm-hmm. with you guys. Got to keep them cool, man. Keep Hashtag. Them keep them I was cool. gonna say, keep did you know wet. that the aluminum can is plastic lined? Oh, uh, oh, really? Yeah. We're I wonder not. how many of those. No, I know Keystone are to give was there. Keister. <laughs> so no, no. Carl. This is one of the <laughs> <laughs> different thing, different beer. The, this, unfortunately, my timing kind of sucks. Okay. Um, and and it's because we weren't here last week, uh, right. and, yep. and and perhaps I was remiss. Prior to, there, here's a couple of stickers. If if anybody wants one of those stickers, help yourself. We got this. Um, <laughs> Look at what his hat says. <laughs> we got this, and um, <laughs> now we're kind of uh, behind the curve because this is a first for us. And, and, I, and I'm actually kind of humbled that uh, we would receive such a such a package. Okay. We were invited to Joshua Morris Thacker's graduation. Oh, shoot. Oh, oh yeah. I feel terrible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is his... Uh, Graduation announcement, and it was May 4th. Unfortunately, up in Kentucky, we didn't make it. Congratulations, buddy. Josh. um, That's pretty cool. And and so alongside his 
professionally rendered and, and printed uh, invitation to graduation, he actually did enclose a handwritten note. <laughs> which for a college grad this is, is awesome. Is it college or high school? Is high school? No, it's it's no, it's college because here in his note he says poor college grad in search of stickers. You guys rock. <laughs> PS. I'm a huge fly fisher. So, I'll save this and uh Josh, we'll see if we can't get you a couple stickers headed your way cuz uh Josh, congratulations buddy. Yeah, you sorry, might you might need to put them on you. eBay cuz um, uh I love you, bro, but Type it next time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> As he didn't, he didn't get he didn't get his degree in penmanship. <laughs> That's pretty dope. I could have rocked a college graduation. I know, dude. Yes. In Kentucky I too. I would have gone. I'd have made that trip. Kentucky waterfalls, dude, everywhere. Now we mullet. we also got a, a pretty awesome package. Um Brandon Reader. Brandon reached out to me via email a couple of months ago, letting me know he was going to be coming down, staying in the area, wanted to hire a guide, wanted to fly fish, wanted my input, if I had any, on who to take. So I gave him my standard four people that uh, I think are truly mm-hmm. fly fishing guides here in Mosquito Lagoon. He ultimately did go out with one of them. I'll let you guys read it. I'm not going to bore everybody with reading it, but there's an awesome note from him um, thanking uh, us for the the referral. He had a great time. He actually learned a lot about the lagoon, and um, he and I exchanged a couple of emails after his trip, and he made sure and sent us some flies. Oh, nice. Um, and Ooh, a yellow Sally. Some of the flies that are in here are actually he's he actually fishes uh, in Pennsylvania. He, that's where he's from, and the flies are for my trip up to Pennsylvania. Oh, awesome. in June. So I'm going to hold on to those. And, oh, he's uh, on the same little piece of water. So. Yeah. I don't I don't want to take your flies, but if you don't mind, I'd like to see that box and just kind of see what he put in there. Yeah, no problem. And if I see you put one in your pocket, you're in you trouble. You can beat me. Right. <laughs> and then he also sent us some beer, uh, Spruce Creek Lager. Um, nice. So we're going to put that in the refrigerator, and we'll enjoy that next week because we're covered in beer this week. Those are awesome. Brandon, flies. your penmanship is pretty decent. It is pretty you, decent. That's huh? what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing this week. Carl, people on, yeah. Don't we have a Spruce Creek? Why we am do, I? Yeah. Okay. Spruce Creek fly. I was trying to, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm sure you guys remember casting across. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Casting across is another fly fishing podcast, and uh, listeners, you guys that follow us on social media uh, will know that. There's also a blog for for casting across, and he had done a blog article about fly fishing podcast that you should be listening to. Mm-hmm. And of course, ours didn't make the list. Whoa, 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 <laughs> so, whoa, whoa. So I reached out to our listeners through our social media and said, at the end of this guy's blog post, he says, in the comments, let him know if there's anybody you missed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you guys like hopped right on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he actually sent us a pretty awesome sticker pack. 
as well as a note. Uh, handwritten. Handwritten. That'll be my third one tonight. Giving us credit for oh. uh, having some of the most awesome nice. listeners, and we couldn't agree more in all of Fly Fishing Podcasts. Oh, there's a name I haven't seen in a while. And all of the stickers that he included, he kind of like goes through and explains. Some of them are like old school. Some of them are like local stuff. Andrew WK. So anyway, you guys can read that at your leisure and uh, go through some of these. See if there's any that you want. I'm picking a couple out right now. That one's kind of cool because it's old school. There's some Vita Vu, some other local stuff. So pass those around. Take a look. I'm going to step away two seconds. I've got like a couple, three more packages to go. I don't know. (laughs) There's something going on with this dude and Andrew WK. He was a partier. Yeah. His yeah, song he was Party it. Hard. He dreamt Party Hard, and she is beautiful. <laughs> In stores nice. March 26th. Um, net Fish and Chill. There you go. Post fun. Well. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um. My last note is uh, trout weenies, their skills are, I feel like, really communicable because uh, the angler on Tangler. Oh, uh-huh. Chipper? Yeah. Chipper and, uh, and Sky are fishing like... Everywhere, everywhere <laughs> across the country, and catching fish. And they're not—they're not like going straight. They're like zigzagging the fuck out of yeah, the it's They're yeah, all it's, over the place. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I could like even pretend to catch a fish in that many right places. I mean, what, like, like how far do my skills take me? So yeah. All right. So Todd Hansen uh, from up in Glen Allen, Virginia. Sent us a package. I'm opening it right now. A little envelope action. Pretty thick. So we'll see what we got in here. Exciting. Uh oh, this almost looks like we got invited to another. uh, No, graduation. (laughs) Another graduation. We need to put it on the list. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It's not a graduation notice. It's actually. We're going to a wedding, guys. It's a a flood tide code greeting card. Wow. Who knew? I bought those. Oh look, Ben! This, he's got you in mind here. He Does sent he? he sent an awesome <laughs> oh. cannabis uh, sticker. You know, Can you, you can put that on your mom's car. Cannabis clouser. <laughs> no, I'm going to put it on their new house. <laughs> right on the door. Yeah, I did buy the old Flood Tide Co. greeting so, cards and framed them because I'm really? not rich enough to afford an original yeah, yeah. Paul Puckett. Yeah. Oh my God, this is an awesome koozie. <laughs> And if, Thanks for sending one, Todd. Yeah, and, and <laughs> there he's gonna love it. <laughs> no, you know what? We're we're gonna hold on to this because we have we have a sincere hope and belief that Doggy Daddy may be coming yeah. down to visit. Yes. Oh, shizzle snits! Because this is the most perfect, and and I'm sure Doggy Daddy would be like, oh yeah, I got twenty of those. <laughs> but it's drink Wisconsinably. <laughs> last <laughs> call again. <laughs> I love it. Okay, but even better than that, there's a small little extra tag that's been sewn onto this koozie that simply says, don't spill. (laughs) Dude, that is the best fucking koozie I've ever seen. Sorry, Port Commander. Yours was really cool five minutes ago. 
and he sent those uh, just uh, in return for us having sent him some stickers and a koozie in the past. That's so, cool. Um, I want to address this. Thank you, sticker. Todd. <laughs> All right. Um, the cannabinoid. The cannabinoid bait fish. <laughs> thing is it a bait fish yeah it's like a bunch of bait fish oh wow yeah okay if you don't want that i'll take it i'm gonna give it back (laughs) and what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about here i mean i I can tell like the whole weed thing's turning you off i i'm I'm focusing on the bait fish the bait fish is cool there's because there's some clousers and some other bait fish and and I, i do appreciate the the stickers and the fact that you thought of me when you saw this but larry knows I can't stand the smell of weed. Like, I don't smoke it, don't have any desire to smoke it. That's why Ben does edibles only. <laughs> well, they're fruit flavored, so right. it's different. It's gummy bears. Um, gummies. Yeah. Gummies. Um, I don't do those either, Mom. Um, <laughs> what, was that, what was that sticker uh, Rich sent us? Looked like an arrowhead. Uh, we're not going to talk about that either. It's on either. the front of my mask. It is. <laughs> And it's it's funny you've worn the mask a couple times and the two other guys in the building have kind of like stared at it. Right. <laughs> they don't know. And it, but no. well, here's the thing: it's like you're listening to someone's like, "Is that what I think it is?" But right. maybe I shouldn't ask right. because then that means I know what that is. Right. Um, <laughs> oh no way! The, <laughs> I've got to go back. the The envelope. Oh, the on, my the, gosh, the envelope. Awesome. The envelope got separated from the package that was inside of it. The package and please message us as soon as you hear this. The message or the it was simply inside of another package and it said janky ass flies. <laughs> and I just opened it and it's fucking crease flies that are the fucking yes. Taylor Potter. This yes. is so Taylor badass. Potter. They are super fucking rad. Thank you, sir. There's nothing janky about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is bad. This, this is isn't dope. janky. This is rad. No. You know what the sad thing is? This almost looks like Laffy Taffy. I could eat this. Here you go. I could eat this. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. This is a... Sweet. Smells like Okay, so so there's... Just kidding. <laughs> I, I've got two here. You guys each got two. Yeah. And it leaves one. Oh shoot! Battle of the bands, Mark no. versus Andrew. No, or, I mean Carl. Not, no, not Ted versus. What I'm Andrew. thinking is, at some point, we I'll put go. it on the library at yes. the meth lab. Oh my damn! And whoever gets it yes. has has to post what fish they get with what it. What they absolutely. And if they catch a mangrove and break it off, they have to go get it. <laughs> No matter if, how many mosquitoes. If you snag a manatee by accident and it breaks off, you, you are to. riding that mofo until <laughs> yeah, right. you get this fly back. I'm excited. This is like really. <laughs> was like this Christmas. is above and beyond. Yeah, this is this was we an amazing like mail call. Yeah. This is this is super rad. So, Carl, have you referenced your show notes? Do you have anything else? Yeah. That, that well, we need one to cover? more, and it's it's something that um, I happened upon this week. I just couple minutes i was just reading there is something going on and i of course i just put together some insane story in my head while i was reading it uh drilling for oil in the everglades uh, i've is never that, heard such a thing i thought they were gonna frack yeah 
doing some. You're gonna try to do some fracking. Natural gas. I think that that's been banned. As far as I've heard, they kept they smacked it down a couple times, and apparently they've come back. It's come back. Yeah, yeah. um, To like appeal it or whatever. Um, Could that be maybe an issue? Um, And maybe one of the reasons why. That's bullshitter, man. We're we're freeing up money to to like fix the Everglades. To make a Suki do what they want. Yeah. That's what I would thought. Maybe it was something to do with that, or well, okay. like, oh, dirty water. We're cleaning it up. Oh, everything's cool. We love the environment. We're gonna do. What, we're gonna fix all this stuff and frack. Oh, so you in other words, I mean? don't. Yeah, uh, look at this hand over here. I'm yeah, doing yeah. you right. Yeah, and this right. hand over here screwing you, screwing you. And I, you know, it's a funny thing. It, the article was fairly vague, fairly so, small, and only one. The Sandy Marin one article I've seen company. in whatever. Well, Here's okay. So right now, there's a whole lot going on with no pebble mine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Pebble mine, the process moving towards the permitting for pebble mine has been going on for what a decade now, yeah. if not more. I've seen that. Yeah. Seen and during the last administration, um, basically, it was said, "Nope, not going to happen." Period. The end. Done. And. Everybody was like, hell yeah, we won. Well, the new administration comes in, and there was pending litigation or the threat of litigation because the decision that was made five years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, was done without following the proper procedure. So the... The current administration said, okay, we're not saying we're for it, against it, or otherwise, but you know what? It's America. Everybody deserves to, to, you know, due process. Go ahead and open back up and allow you to go through the permitting process. Nobody's going to cheat the hangman in my town. There you go. So, (laughs) but but the way it's being painted is, oh my God, they're letting this happen. And... I've done a little bit of reading. I'm not an expert on anything related to uh, Pebble Mine, but I have read enough that one of the interesting things that I've seen is the company that is applying for the permit hasn't even convinced itself that it would be profitable or feasible to actually do it but they're still going through the permitting process. And to me, reading between the lines, it's almost the oil uh, industry was like this to a certain degree 25 years ago, where it's the speculation, it's the exploration, and you invest in the companies that are exploring in these areas with the hopes of. Mm-hmm. Sure. And... By their oil, own, that is oil, that is black gold, <laughs> Texas tea. Um, the I think there's a lot of a lot of opposition to it for good reason. I'm opposed to the idea of pebble mine. I want that to be out there. I, I've I've written and done every, you know all the advocacy that I can as a taxpayer, as an American citizen, saying I don't think this is a good idea. But I've also done my due diligence and read and said. I don't think I need to set my hair on fire to the level that some folks are because the company 
uh, Dynasty Mining Corporation doesn't it hasn't even said that they're really going to do it, even if they get permitted to do so, because it might be cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only say that to bring up, hey, the Pebble Mine thing is kind of uh, being reviewed again. Not kind of, it is. Um, so have a voice if you if you think that Bristol Bay should be preserved and protected. Go to the appropriate place, write the appropriate emails, and and do that. Mm-hmm. But it's very much like what you're talking about. There may be people talking about, hey, we could actually maybe get some natural oh, yeah. gas or some oil out of the Everglades by fracking. It might be more of the, we can make some money on people investing for us to look into the idea right? versus oh, okay. we would never actually be saying. able to do it, you know, because... It'd be cost per like once you get to it, you're like yeah yeah there's some oil down there but man to What's get the infrastructure out there out through there, this yeah. swamp and the mm. the permitting that would be required and the you I know like the mosquitoes and the yeah. mosquitoes and the sawgrass <laughs> yeah. and so kind of try to take a holistic view when you hear these kind of things yeah. you know fight it where the fight needs to happen but at the same time be realistic and kind of be more well-rounded in the education of right. what's actually happening behind the scenes and it, yeah it, i mean it's definitely it, it looks like that process a lot because because it said you know they kind of put some paperwork in and all right can we do this here uh well no okay well can we do this here can we do this there and it had been a few they've kind of applied a few yeah. times you know you, different. it it can actually be said that for as nefarious as the people are that are applying for the potential permit to do what you're talking about, mm-hmm. they're doing that for profit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No and, and, and can you believe that there's actually people on the other side of the issue that are opposed to it? And that's just a business model as well? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's... People that that that's their entire professional life is mm-hmm. being an advocate against things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because even though it's a not-for-profit organization, the people that run the nonprofits actually have a pretty damn good lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So evaluate both sides. Right. You know, who, who's making money in this? Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe both sides are just making money, and it never actually comes to fruition because. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, just because. That was never the plan. Right. <laughs> the plan right. was, you know, make money on the potential exploration right. issue. Yeah. Right. So, but it's something to keep <clears throat> your eye on, for sure. You know, and I just thought it was funny that it was a, a fairly small article, and I'd just seen the one. And I'm like, yeah, that is that weird like when you see that. You're deal. like, hmm. Like, yeah. Nobody's like keeping their eye on it. Somebody's going to be doing, yeah, like, I mean, really any. Captains oil for stuff. clean fuel. Yeah. Clean oil. <laughs> Clean, clean natural I, I support everybody for clean water. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, so um, I think there was a couple of other things I had on my list, but uh, do we want to take a break and come back and like wrap it all up? I do have a few more things. I got like four or five things, but they, they won't last forever, but I'm ready for a break. Anybody yeah, else ready for know, a break? I, I, I kind of sure. go either way. I mean, yeah. You know, there's Stretch nothing wrong with taking a little bit. break, so we're going to uh, go get a delicious, refreshing beverage. Carl may have a smoke, but we'll be back. Sing a song for the broken hearted.
We're back. And here we are, full beer, ready to wrap this thing up with a few last thoughts. Yeah. So um, one of the things I thought was really cool happened uh, day before yesterday, uh, checking email in uh, the furthest away I think you could possibly be and still be English speaking. I got an email from a guy, Martin, from Western Australia. Whoa! Nice. And he must be a few. Wow. He must be a few episodes back because he's like, "Hey, uh, mate, you guys are talking about." Uh, having some of those fly patches available and if it's that tarpon that i saw i'd definitely be stoked to get one how do i get it if you send it over here i'll pay for postage blah 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 and i was like well the tarpon fly patch that you saw is actually from 239 flies which Mm -hmm. is a fly shop over on the west coast of florida we did our fly patch the taylor popper and I might be able to scrounge one up. So get me your address, and I'll send some stickers over there. He actually has he he, he does saltwater fly fishing over there That's in awesome. Western Australia, and he's like, you know, I got a spot right on my center console. I think it would be fucking sick. <laughs> so I was like, fuck yeah, I think that'd be cool. So uh, I'm just waiting to hear back via email from him and uh, send that out. So. That's not a cue for everybody to send me emails asking <laughs> those are, for free shit. Those are your old people, Carl. Unless you live in Australia. No, those are the ones that <laughs> yeah, those are the bad outcasts. ones. <laughs> Felons. So, uh, so they are our people. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, a, a couple other like just kind of housekeeping things. Um, Flyberry Project is, uh, man, going crazy. Exploding. Yeah, going pretty awesome. crazy. Yeah. Pretty Huge. awesome. Um I went down Wednesday, I believe, to Rockledge and dropped off a shit ton more of stickers for the podcast and the Flyberry stickers. Um, The uh, patches are being made by Castaway Customs Mm -hmm. Uh, without their assistance and their willingness to partner up with us. It wouldn't be what it is today. We thank uh, Tyler and his whole crew for doing that. One of the things that I'm hoping to see is uh, a lot of people posting, you know, their flyberries, uh, which is cool. Um, it's kind of gotten away from a lot of the cool DIY flyberries that were happening. I hope some people start doing that again because those Bring are actually back around. yeah, those are actually a little cooler than uh, hey, I got a free fly patch and I just put it up. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but what I was going to say is what I want to start seeing is like. Hey, I stopped by the flyberry location XYZ, got this pretty cool fly, left a couple myself, and I caught this awesome fish on the fly that I got from the oh, flyberry. So mm-hmm. You want to start seeing the catches. Yeah, yeah I want to yeah. start okay. seeing like, you know, and, and then maybe, you know, somebody will recognize and be like, Holy shit, yeah. I left that fly, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And like start connecting more people. That's what I'm hoping to see next out of the flyberry project. Um when I was up in East Tennessee last week, we got whatever it was. Um, I had to fly through Asheville, North Carolina, <laughs> and uh, got to ride a plane, you know, up there with a couple of hippie folk, and um, 
grabbed a rental car to head over the mountain to uh, East Tennessee, and uh, Justin Forrest uh, is, yeah. is, is a dude that listens to uh, the podcast. He actually had reached out to me a week or two prior to uh, me having to take that trip up there. He lives in Asheville. So okay. we actually made plans and uh, met up and had a couple of uh, tacos and a couple of cold beers before I drove over the hill. And uh, Justin does website work and digital marketing. And after he and I talked, um, he actually is uh, doing the Flyberry website. Uh, it should be up here in the next week or so. And he did our Taylor Trash yep. website. I did a really nice job, which with is it. fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah. Um, as a business owner, I've I've had to deal with uh, getting websites built for two or three different uh, iterations of business, and it's always been one of those things that I dread, didn't like doing. Always felt like I was being kept in the dark. And Justin and I literally had an hour dinner talked about what we wanted to do and like two days later he's like hey man check it out and i was like wow yeah so um if you happen to need any kind of website building done i'm telling you not any hesitation the dude knows what he's doing and it's fucking phenomenal reach out to him is that is there going to be a feat, a map feature or a search feature or something like that? Yeah, on the point? library, we're going to definitely try to incorporate a map. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then as people put them up, you know, they'll be able to, like, send an email with the coordinates or the street address, mm-hmm. and it'll go up on a map. So that's, that's going to be part of that. Oh. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, I think so, too. I'd, especially if, you know, you can go, like, a, to a mobile version, you know, on your phone. Right. Be like, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm in this area. Let me yeah, check yeah. it out real quick. Let's see. All right, so I had a note. I'm going to have to go back here. It said, listener questions. And I actually had a message from a listener. And let me go back and find it because I just did a screen capture of it. And you guys can decide whether now is the time to do it or we're going to think about it and do it on a future episode. But I actually... Thought it was kind of a cool question. Let's see. All right. So this is actually Ben Alt. Uh, okay. Yep. And and Ben, tip of the cap to you, sir. Uh, ben actually made a donation to the dinghy derby to benefit yep. Marine Discovery Center. Um, he won't be here participating in the event, but he understands the importance of the restoration and conservation work that MDC is doing here in Mosquito Lagoon and wanted to support it. And for that, sir, we appreciate it and tip Thank the cap. You. Mm-hmm. So previous to him even doing that, uh, this was actually early April. He had sent this message. Um, he said, possible show note. Why do Taylor Trash Crew fly fish? How did it all start with you guys? Where it is taking you? And what has it brought all of you guys, or how has it brought all of you guys together? Including Carl. (laughs) 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 So... I, I honestly think that's probably an entire show that we could do. I would say do. so, right. yeah. So 
I w- I'm going to send this to the group uh, text. And then add me on. And then Ben. <laughs> and uh, I want everybody to think about it because, yeah. I mean, you know, why, why do we fly fish? How did it start? And where is it taking you? And how did it bring us all together? I think that'd be a really cool episode. Yeah. 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 So that's just food for thought for a future episode. So I'll share that with everybody so we can kind of make that at least a segment, Absolutely. If, not a, yeah. if not a marathon Here, segment. Here's a note of this show. Was it kind of weird when we were talking to dude? And I imagine his, his podcast is just him. Right. And he's right. like, so, you know, thanks to this one dude, he's like the producer and he edits. And right. I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, you got a producer and an editor? A lot of those shows, I mean, a Four lot of, of us, them we don't, do. We don't have, yeah. Yeah, we, I'm going to call HR. They piece together things yeah, yeah. and they chop them. We, we save it. <laughs> upload it and hope for the best and then we're, oh shit we've had conversations like I don't really remember what we said last yeah. night and I'm kind of afraid to listen <laughs> to this episode <laughs> there's only like maybe two I like didn't listen to on purpose oh cause you you were like I don't want to hear how bad I was <laughs> yeah <laughs> Was it was that one was one of those like when Recently, we got when like, we got a lot of uh, messages about <laughs> Jesus Christ Carl was yeah drunk. yeah he got scolded can you can you tell Carl to please not be so like creepy I got, I got scolded on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> on the MySpace yeah I did and then I had to tell him that uh, Carl was out he was too busy uh, <laughs> parasailing <laughs> he couldn't take the message he was too busy parasailing. Oh, that was, and it was yeah, like, yeah. if you're listening, sorry, we're going to throw you under the yeah, bus. Yeah, we yeah. kind of got a good laugh out of this. But he was like, oh, yeah, no worries. Just you yeah, just tell him yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the middle of the night. Yeah. It's like 1130 at night. Like, he's busy. Right he's <laughs> Carl lives his best life at <laughs> yeah, night when he parasails. Yeah. He goes hang gliding. Just all those things. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I think, you know, that guy's heart was in the right place. He just wanted to make sure we were having a good show. You that's know? right. That's all. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, yeah, that's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And we're all sitting here thinking, we had a pretty great show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We had and, fun. And, you know, fortunately, um, even though our listener thought Carl may have crossed the line <laughs> um, with, with some of uh, the innuendo that was happening with Skyler, <laughs> um, Chip just sat over there and smiled. The Chips, entire time, yeah. you know, Here, yeah. Smile here's here's Chip's thoughts on that. When we met up and did the little lagoon thing the other day on the Senko to Sandbar, and I posted a picture of the bilge pump working on my thing, Chip look, sees the video. I've got a seventy horse Johnson on the back of the uh, Boston, Boston Whaler, and he writes, "Cause God." Everyone loves a big white Johnson. <laughs> I lost it. Nice. So uh, I think Chip's pretty on board with the the whole program we got going on here. So uh, probably one of the one of the last few things that we need to kind of kick around is uh, self serving uh, in the form of uh, self promotion. Anyway, we have the dinghy derby coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now, as it stands with folks that have registered that are actually going to be participating in the Dingy Derby Poker Run, um, it's $25 to register. Uh, That $25 will go in the pot. And so the day of the event, everybody that's 
in the event has paid $25. So you add that together. Participants on the day of the event that show up that have registered, that's the pot. At the end of the event, one winner is going to take half the pot home with them in their pocket. The other half of the pot is going to be reserved for and donated to Marine Discovery Center. So, as we mentioned, there's been people that are like, hey, I'm nowhere close or I can't be there, but I want to support this. Um, They've made donations. Benny Mm -hmm. Blanco, for one. Yeah. Uh, Benny, tip of the cap to him. Um, so folks like Benny or Johan that's kicked in, not only is he participating, he kicked in above and beyond the registration amount. We are looking at close to $500 already that we're going to be donating to Marine Discovery Center. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got well over a dozen individual participants that are going to be out there collecting chips and hoping to win that half the pot. So, um, Towards the end, we haven't really 100% nailed it down, but either it's stop four, maybe it's stop five at the end. We're going to um, do the raffle. So everybody that enters gets a certain number of raffle tickets automatically that are in the event. Obviously, we're going to try to sell additional raffle tickets, mm-hmm. to, and 100% of the raffle proceeds are going to go to the Marine Discovery Center um, so far, we've got anything from Coke's Flies is doing a dozen of his awesome hand-tied flies. So somebody's going to win a dozen of those things. Yeah. Um, there are going to be great redfish flies, I'm sure. Um, JB's is donating uh Gift cards, um, just the gift cards alone, I think, are $100 each. So, you know, definitely... Definitely a, you a can good, go have a good time. Good at opportunity mm-hmm. to go have <laughs> dinner and drinks and drinks at JB's. Um, Flounder Creek Outfitters is going to be donating something. Um, gosh, you know, I th- we're we've updated it through our stories, and mm-hmm. um, if you if you click on our story on Instagram on the highlights for Dingy Derby. Um, there's there's obviously everybody that's donated flymen mm-hmm. uh the fly tying uh mm-hmm. material company they're donating some stuff uh the list goes on and on so i guess what i'm rambling about is look 25 bucks for a chance to win possibly 100 200 300 whatever you know depends on how many people ultimately enter this Plus, by entering it, you're going to get an awesome opportunity at some really kick-ass Schwag. raffle prizes. So there well, the is part is it's there's not, no downside. There's no downside because it's not like a race. No, no, it's yeah, not, it's not a challenge. Yeah, it's literally no, you hanging yeah. out with your buddies and running a boat and it's the, it's all for the it's day. Just all crazy randomized. You and, don't even need to know where you're going for the most part. No, no. no. we, so we made like, it a super yeah. easy course, and and we're building it out. And go to taylortrash.com, go to Dingy Derby. There's a boatload of frequently asked questions. And they're and and it explains probably anything and everything you could think of to ask. There's an answer to it. And we've made it so 
if you're planning on being over here and fishing on June 22nd and you want to enter the dinghy derby and still fish, you're going to have tons of time to yep. fish. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of fishing tournaments that go on out here. And we didn't want to make it a fishing tournament because, you know, there's pressure involved with that and, you know, dick measuring contests happen. This is just have a good time, show up, cut up, drink a couple of beers with each other, and raise money to do something about what's going on out here. So if you're listening and you've been on the fence, you haven't had all your questions answered, visit taylortrash.com, take a look at the FAQs. If you decide that you're going to do it, which we hope that you will, click on register. It's a Venmo payment, 25 bucks. You're in it. You're ready to go. All of everybody that registers on the day of it, we're going to have some swag that we're going to hand out. So, uh, you know, it's a win, 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 win for the lagoon, win for you, win for everybody. So, um, I didn't know if we were going to do like a poster or a t-shirt or, you know, something that we need to know. Like, we, is there a registration date? Can we just go right we, up to the day? No, registration is going to terminate on the 15th, a week okay. prior to the 22nd. Okay. And really the purpose behind that is so we have control of knowing how we have to staff it, um, yeah. what we may need to get. Because stop four is a sandbar stop, people. So there's probably going to be some ice-cold, refreshing beverages there. Yeah. So we want to be able to be prepared to make sure that all of that goes smoothly. Mm-hmm. And and we literally don't want to be dealing with the exchange of money for registration and stuff uh, like that yeah, 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 the yeah. last, the final week. One thing that we are going to do, and uh, this is an invite. Anybody out there has an idea, uh, we are going to make a event-specific sticker that oh, participants yeah. will only the people that are registered and actually participate in the dinghy derby will ever have this Taylor Trash sticker. Rebel Reprints is actually donating the printing of that sticker for Beautiful. us. Beautiful. That's awesome. And one of the raffle prizes is Rebel Reprints is going to give a certificate. The raffle winner is going to be able to go and get a run of 50 of whatever design they come up with. Of huh. four by four stickers is the max size. So hey, you ever want to and do your own sticker? This I is your like or if su- you like, like sup ladies and then put like my phone number. There you go. <laughs> you yeah, I mean? you would hand it out to bars. Like it's kind of yeah. I don't know. That's a great idea, but we're not it's going. Not, for you great. might get. We're a, not going for great. The, uh, <laughs> you, you might get another message on Facebook. And I, you know, <laughs> we obviously use Rebel reprints, and then Florida Flyco uses Rebel reprints. The quality is unmatched. Second, and like mm-hmm. you're. You're getting a... They're, like, color like, fast. Yeah, and, and they like, UV-coated, like, yeah. if you've ever wanted to make stickers, like, this is a this is a cool way to... Mm-hmm. Have that opportunity. Have the opportunity. So, um, I guess uh, that's probably the majority of what we have to talk about tonight. Um, on a personal note, uh, if anybody has ever thought about or wants uh, any fly casting lessons, uh, if you visit my website, saltbomb.com, 
there's a link to send me a message. I'm actually looking at putting together a small group lesson opportunity later this summer. It's going to be very practical lessons on red fishing, um, including your casting, how to get better at your casting, the efficiency of your casting, what I've been able to learn over the last 15 years that I can share with you. And it's more than just a group lesson. There's going to be anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours because I'm going to limit the size of the group. But afterwards, we're going to come back to my place, have some cold beer, and I'm going to cook some stuff on the Traeger. So if you're interested in that kind of group lesson, go to the site, find the location where you can send me an email, let me know that you're interested, and when I get the details together, I'll send them out to you, and you can sign up if you want to, or you can tell me I'm a dick and don't know what I'm doing (laughs) to. I'm going to do a lesson, but it's what not to do. And it's not just fly casting, it's in life. It, yeah. How not to live. Well, Carl, I was actually going to actually hire you as part of this to come okay. in and demonstrate what not to do a couple of times. Right. Oh, yeah. You're like, right. watch this guy. Not yeah. that. Don't. Yeah. None of that. None of that. Yeah. None of that either. <laughs> yeah. You see how many times you Mark know, is false casting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Carl's, Carl's trying to play that. Carl is the last person I fished with. And, uh, I actually, it was after the, it was, uh, sandbar sandbar. and Carl actually might be a little self-deprecating here, but Carl was getting it done pretty efficiently and pretty quickly, um, without much trouble at all. And there's a couple of pointers that, you know, I'll share with him, but he hasn't paid me yet. So (laughs) You know, it's all about the Benjamins at this point. Checks in the mail. <laughs> I just do, yeah, paper checks these days. Paper <laughs> checks. Ben hasn't figured it out that all the pointers that I give him is actually making him worse. Mm-hmm. Well, you've never given me any pointers. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I have, for that. I haven't, like, improved either, so. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Shut up and poll, Ben. Mm-hmm. Just get back on the back of the skiff. I can do that. Actually, I, like I do want to head down and fish down your way. Just not, for some reason, getting the invite. I, invite's always open. <laughs> I just don't have a boat. Well, I'm I've got a boat. Okay. You know, so. Anytime. If, what do you want to you you, fish for? Why don't you check with your boss and see if you never get a day off? <laughs> i just tell him I'm sick that day. He won't know. We just really can't hard post to on work Instagram for, for like a week. Really hard to deal with. Pretty Yeah. Here's, here's how, how today's difficulty went. <laughs> we we kind of had a... Fubar day yesterday. There's just a lot going on, and I told him I was like, I I don't feel great about how we did. I'm gonna go in tomorrow. I was like, but I'm gonna like wake up and kind of reset my day, and when I get there, I'll get there. He's like, yeah, no worries. So he called me. He's like, hey, or I was like, it was like 8:45. You're like, I left the door open. I was like, all night. Like I thought he pulled up. I was like, I was like, do we have anything left in the shop? He's like, no, not all night. Just this morning. He's like, how far? He's like, I'm like, I'll be there at 9:30. Which is like the latest I've ever. I'm not typically an early person, but uh, yeah, he was like pretty cool with it. Let me just kind of do my thing. We like to keep the doors closed so the natives don't just the riffraff. They're restless. (laughs) They're ever like so. uh, Typically, when somebody ducks under the door and pops their head up, they're like, "Hey, I heard you got a hundred dollar installation special going this week." Yeah, 
the, it's not, or it's not. <laughs> that or pops their head under attached to a Harley. Oh yeah, a guy <laughs> ducked down like below the handlebars, like and rode door a less Davidson than three feet open, right in, comes gliding in, yeah, yeah, and then just starts talking real quiet, like doesn't like say minutes. like, hey, I'm so and so. Here's what I do. It's like. Just yeah, I was in. grandfathered in here in the life story yeah. for like 30 minutes. So it was like a welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> and then, as, and just then he as tried soon to, as he showed up, he just The funny thing is he, he, owns a, he owns a motorcycle and, shop very hey. close to where we're... Hey, guys, I'm, I'm Bob. So, Community Chess Welcome Wagon. Yeah, Great and like we, we... I've been grandfathered in here. Closer, like we kind of went closer <laughs> to him to try to hear him, and he'd talk even quieter. Uh-huh. And, and I'm like, is this dude trying to like reel me in to like punch me in talks the nuts? Yeah. Like, I wonder about that. Going on? <laughs> He's like telling us about how he owns this bike shop nearby and helps fix people's bikes up, and then he goes to leave and his bike won't start. <laughs> <laughs> and he fights with it for like 20 minutes, Typical. and then we kind of like lick our head out, and he's like walking it down the street <laughs> to his shop. <laughs> kind he of takes awesome. more pride in his customers than he does, right. you know. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Well, anybody got any uh, big plans over the next week or two? I got a nerdy plan tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's weird. My sister... Oh, Jesus. No. This yeah. is a family show, Ben. <laughs> no, I said nerdy, not dirty, Larry. Oh. oh. Um, <laughs> my sister's really big into, like, Comic-Con. And oh, Megacon. you're going to go oh, to Megacon? Megacon over in Orlando. I'm doing Megacon tomorrow because, like... What are you going as? So, here, well, hang on. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. Conan? No. So, the whole cast from the Goonies is going to be there. And so, Which like, is pretty sick, yeah. so I like bought my sister the pass to go see them as like a gift. Well, it turns out it's like good for four people, and none of her friends want to go. Losers. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah. She's like, do you want to go with me? It's like you paid for it. I was like, well, sure. So then I was like, well, I'm not dressed like this. She she hit me up like a week ago. I was like, I'm not dressing up. I'm not gonna go buy a costume. I was like, well, you're probably a loser if you don't. Like, there's like certain times it's probably apropos. Like, you need <laughs> mm-hmm. to be weird. Um. When in Rome. So, but I'm not going to go spend money on this. So, I grabbed a flannel shirt Mm -hmm. and the jeans I'm currently wearing and some boots. And I was like, well, I'll just pretend I'm like a lumberjack. And I was talking to my sister on the way up here. She's like, go buy a roll of paper towels and go as the Uh, brawny paper towel guy. Or you could be Al Borland from Tool Time. Uh, Oh. It's. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) that's kind of the the idea. I'm going to go meet the Uh, Goonies. So, okay. So, all right. I'm not familiar with these type of uh, me either. Shindigs. I'm going in blind. So you can just be any character. Apparently, she said someone went as Billy Mays yesterday. Who's um, that? The the, the guy, OxyClean guy. The OxyClean okay. guy had a heart attack. Yeah, he died. Yeah. Rest the off, OxyClean <laughs> off a heme. I don't know how that didn't work. Um, <laughs> Oxycodone. So that's kind of what I'm doing tomorrow. I've never been. She goes all the time. I'm kind of weirded out by the whole idea. They're fun. I've taken go, my youngest like, son to them. Roll with it, and, and, see and what usually happens. there's there's a certain number of like mega sluts that show up too. I was up just too. about I was, to I also there's think there's like a certain yeah. number. Of it's mega like what are you? Show up. I'm so in, you got like naughty an, cop, naughty yeah. fire, naughty. I'm Spider-Man. the anime slut girl, yeah. right? I'm dirty Pikachu, right? I'm gonna, gonna be, be uh, <laughs> fully clothed lumberjack, you slash know, brawny paper towel man. Probably probably the most scantily clad that you'll see. You'd be like, what exactly is she? I'm an internet fly fisher. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I'm, 
I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. <laughs> and <laughs> if I see anyone with a fly rod, that's possible. It's not. It's not out of the question. Maybe Tenkara. Mm-hmm. Oh, that for sure. It's, that's happening yeah. there. So yeah. And then I'm going to go to work on Monday and tell Carl about the weird sights. And Dude, take lots I've... of stories. Okay. Like, I want to be able to follow yeah. your stories tomorrow. Okay. Like, I lots of stories. And we are going to ordain, christen, uh, designate, whatever word works for you. You are the T2F2 correspondent oh. okay. to Megacon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Be, on assignment. Be, be 100% willing to walk up to people in selfie mode and be like, hey, I'm Ben, um, the brawny guy, and I'm just here to ask you a couple of really quick questions. This is an awesome outfit you have. Mm. Why did you only have one nipple exposed? <laughs> if there's anyone with any nipple exposed, I promise you I will go talk to them to get the answer they, to that question for I, like you. Like I said, okay. I've, I've taken my son to a few of you know the Comic-Cons and stuff across the state or whatever, but uh, some of them get pretty risque. Yeah. It, it oh, gets yeah. pretty weird. And it's like, you want to tell them to look away because it's inappropriate, <laughs> but you're like, son, look. <laughs> <laughs> What's over there? <laughs> so uh, I will keep you posted on my findings. Yeah, it'll be a good time. It might turn into a whole segment next show. Okay, I don't so, know. you know, and if you don't feel up to the challenge of doing any interviews, I'm, I'm up to the challenge. You still have to make sure I want to be able to see your st- Like, your story should look like. Like the little dots, like the people that annoy me. Yeah, like on Trigger. Yeah, yeah, but Trigger doesn't annoy me because I can smell that. That's the only one that I get that much. Okay. All right. So now that we're clear on your assignment, we just we just surpassed the three hour perfect. That's what I was time limit here. So I think that with. No further ado, we're going to start thinking about wrapping it up and uh, getting out of here. I think we're about two and a half weeks or so, three weeks from me going to Pennsylvania. Nice. Nice. So any of you Pennsylvania pukes up there around Penn's Creek that want to show this saltwater moron how to catch a trout. Is that a trico hatch that goes on up there? I think so. I think they might have one of well, those. <clears throat> if you have time before then, <laughs> let me know. We'll go fish. Okay. We'll go. I've got some good snook spots. Go. I know you don't fish. get to fish. You know, I've, I've been trying to. Here. I've been trying to invite myself to go fishing with a lot of people lately. I'll take. You blows me off. I accept your invite, Larry. <laughs> okay. No, I accepted his invite too. I just just like a day and a half later. And... He was like, "Yeah, sure, <laughs> blow off." <laughs> So yeah, if you got time before then, let's do it. If not, we'll do it when you get back. Yeah, and um, I just saw Norm Zeigler mm-hmm. over in uh, on the West Coast. Just made yeah. a post on Facebook that the snook on the beach are happening. Yeah. They're happening so, in Melbourne, pretty heavy too. I'd like to go do beach. a little beach snooking. That'd I'll, be fun. Let's do both. Okay, I'm down I'm with down. that. I've got my yeah. beach set up like all dialed in. So I'm really, I yeah. just recently okay. came into I, a uh, sinking line myself. I've got a little mm. scientific anglers hover intermediate line going on with okay. a little beach waist stripping basket. I just no, bought I don't know from what Harry you're talking Goods. about. That's foreign. Well, <laughs> I got tired of stepping on fly line between my toes. So, well, you just got to wear socks. Yeah, but then the sand fleas get in there, man, and. Ah, damn sand fleas. 
It's a brutal world we live in. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go make the best of it. Get our 100 bad days. Well, as we uh, fade out into oblivion, we have to uh, make sure that we mention uh-huh. this episode is dedicated to my lovely bride. Mm. Special lady. Birthday girl. Not just the episode. The, the show. Whole, the entire podcast. The entire podcast. The okay. you know, without her loving support mm-hmm. and her putting up with our ridiculousness, this thing couldn't even happen. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, happy birthday, Shan. Happy Love birthday, ya. Shannon. Love you.